<laughs> we, did, we did a lot of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to get a little crack in front of the mic here. So, all at the same time, if we can. Three, two, one. That's how we sync up the mics. Works pretty good, except for the cracks don't happen at the same time. No. Delicious. Hello, everybody. Uh, we are back with another episode of the episode of the thing (laughs) (laughs) this week we have a pretty special guest passing through town i'm really excited to have him on uh he's a legend Uh, you might not say that for yourself but i think he's a legend uh alan cook welcome to the dead sailor podcast hey thanks for having me um i think it's important to mention that this is my podcast virginity and now i'm in the 20th 21st century of media you know wait you've never been on a podcast no First that's that's Cook's crazy. first podcast. What about Unclicked? Have I think, they ever reached I think out it to goes. You? I think it goes <clears throat> like VHS to broadcast television, and then the internet came, and then I wasn't there, and so I never made it to podcast <laughs> until now. <laughs> DVDs were where you capped out. Yeah, <laughs> you've been around the whole time, though. Yeah, Blake is also here again. Thanks, Blake, hey. for joining. Um, yeah. You and Alan have a little bit of a relationship as you are in a specialized athlete. That's Actually, true. first, I don't want to, first, for the people that don't know who you are, which I'm sure a lot of people do, a lot of our listeners probably do, but who are you, Alan? Who am I? I'm still trying to figure that out, actually. Um, if you <laughs> figure it out, you let me know. But uh, currently, my occupation, yeah, I'm working at Specialized, kind of have my hands in a whole lot of things bit of an interesting way that I joined joined the company for the second time. You know, I rode for them for 10 of my 12-year professional career. And then after 10 years of working in the industry, I had the opportunity to go back, but not for a specific position. It was like, well, come on in. Let's, let's see where you fit in. And then COVID hit, and I was fitting in everywhere. So I was just kind of, I kind of have my hands in a whole lot of different things. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So you are, is a global marketing manager? Well, not anymore. Officially... Well, I don't know. It depends which job description you read because there's more than one. Mm-hmm. But it's a senior marketing specialist or a product marketing manager. I've taken on a mm-hmm. bit more of a role on the product side. Oh, cool. So are you actually doing some working with the product team to help develop bikes? Yeah. Yeah, Sweet. for sure. That's yeah, awesome. helping out with them. Like anytime I go on these trips, like when I go to Crankworks to do commentating or if I'm out racing or riding or whatever, I'm always doing you know, kind of study and watch out. It's always on the record in the shuttle van. (laughs) Just, you know, seeing, seeing what trends are, seeing what experiences on bikes people are looking for, and then kind of translating what that is back to the development team, just to kind of like gut check them as they're building bikes for the future. Yeah. Yeah. That seems useful because you're out feet on the ground. Yeah, man. The other, the other thing that you kind of glossed over a little bit briefly, and I think it's a pretty big thing to talk about is your career as a professional BMX rider. Yeah, we got to hit that back for a minute. <laughs> yeah. First of all, you're from Santa Cruz, right? No, not originally. Or California. I've, I've lived in Santa Cruz for 11 years, but yeah, you could say California. I was born in Orange County, mm-hmm. grew up in rural nor- Northern California. I've lived in Huntington Beach. I've lived in Carlsbad. I've lived in Temecula. Yeah. Santa Cruz is home though. For yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. And then you lived in Greenville, North Carolina for a very long time, right? Pro town. Yeah. <laughs> and did you move there kind of during the like golden era of the Greenville, like yeah, Greenville, North Carolina, like BMX mega scene that was there. There was, I think, yeah. Dave Mira's park, the unit that was Ryan Nyquist park. There was the legendary outdoor wooden ramp skate park. That JC park. Yeah. Yep. So what drew you to Greenville? 
Um, I think you could probably say it would be safe to say I was like part of the second wave. You know, obviously Mira and Nyquist and Mike Laird and those guys, I would say they're the first wave. They're the ones to really make it their home as professional BMX riders. Um, and then Nyquist moved there. And I'm, I was always kind of friends with Nyquist because I used to ride the San Jose Ramp Club was like yeah. my local spot when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Local spot is in like an hour and a half drive away. But yeah. I saw, and then I started doing contests and I started just putting the pieces together. Like, you all the people winning are from the same place. Like, I know all of them. We should go check it out. And my plan was to move there for three months. And then I was going to move to Austin, Texas for three months. And I was going to move to Salt Lake for three months and then Portland for three months and be like, I'm going to decide where I want to be. Oh, just move around and see what, see which one was the best. Them. Yeah. Nice. But I, I ended up staying nine and a half years yeah. in nice. North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. What year did you move there? I moved there in 2000. Okay. Yeah. And a couple of years later, what happened? What happened? Um, well, actually, the the week after I moved to Greenville, North Carolina, was like one of my best, like kind of my breakout event at X Games. Yeah. And I was like, I think that's what clicked for me. And then it was the next year in 2002 when I was able to win the X Games. Gold medalist. Yeah. It's not real gold. I checked. That's a bummer. <laughs> really? How did it appraise? It's worth $4. <laughs> Next game, get it together. No, you can't put money on sentimental value. You know? No, I, I'm just kidding. That was, a, that was a special night for sure. Like my parents were there and my family was there. My brother, he was actually the live announcer for oh, X no Games. Your brother, what's his name? Aaron Cook. Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, I don't know, it was crazy. Like, And I was able to win qualifying and win the event. So I got to have the old Emil Johansson uh, victory lap. Nice. And it was my brother, like, announcing. It was pretty cool. Yeah, special night. Yeah. That's no, so that's – that. I also want to get into that, like, your professional riding career a, a, li- a little bit deeper because one thing is you were very much of a con- – like, did a lot of contest riding, but you also, you know, you, you were on Road Fools and whatnot. Didn't you, didn't you go on Road Fools before? I never did road fools. Oh, I yeah. never, I never made the cut. I wasn't cool enough. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Marco. What's up? <laughs> no, I never did. I never made that, uh, made the road fools, but I mean, pff, road fools definitely sent me in a direction. I remember junior year of high school road fools one came out Yeah. and like me and my buddy would watch it every day before school, every day after school. And we would talk like we would have like Scottish, uh, humor from Sandy Carson and then like New York humor from Robbo and all of our friends were like, what are you guys even saying? So yeah, I definitely grew up in the props era. You could yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. And going to Austin, you know, obviously an amazing BMX scene there. I used to live, I also moved to Austin when I was fresh out of high school just to go and be close to the, in, like the heart of the riding scene there. Joe Rich and Taj were my idols when I was growing up. Also, I was like, those are my Same. favorite riders ever. Um, and then getting a ride, like the T1 ramp and, and whatnot. But how did, how did Greenville influence your riding as opposed to maybe some of these other places? Um, you know, I think, man, looking back, I think like most of my decisions that have been made have been like very oriented on, okay, what's going to keep me riding? What's going to allow me to keep riding? And at the time it was contest riding, you know, being doing good at contests, getting sponsors, getting paid getting, you know, non-endemic sponsorships like Mountain Dew and right. cell phone companies and things like that. And that was tr- like wood transition and spending time in the foam pit and the resi learning tricks. And so that's what I, w- that's what I was drawn to really. Like, cause I knew that if I could make it in that, it would extend how long I was going to be able to stay on my bike, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And so during all this time you're riding for specialized, which I think is a really key 
an important thing to, to note because here you are yet again yeah. on Specialized. We'll talk a lot about that <laughs> soon. Yeah, yeah, that, it, is, it is interesting. <laughs> so writing, I guess, I'm just mostly curious about, you know, like your transition from being a professional rider and going into a more of a like product or, or like industry into the industry side of things. Mm-hmm. So like what did you, was that something you always knew you wanted to do when you were riding? Were you like, Oh, I, I, I really eventually once I hang up the towel or whatever, you know, come back and be more into the, uh, marketing or, or anything like that. Yeah. But, I was, I was a real big, uh, top gun fan. And you know, Maverick went back. He'd made the decision to go back and be an instructor. Yeah, that was my thing. I, was, just, I definitely, I definitely heavily saw that. influenced by Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, that, that's a whole nother story. If we're talking about <laughs> Days of Thunder, so yeah, I am heavily. Um, but no, it was it was definitely part of the plan. I think maybe when the transition happened was a couple of years before I would have like if I was writing the story. It probably was a couple of years sooner than I was ready to sort of hang up the skates and as being a competitor. Um, But, you know, as it turned out, well, through my entire time period uh, with Specialized, I was always kind of involved in product development. I was kind of being groomed to be almost in the role that I'm in right now, actually, when I was from the time I was like 16. You know, there was times when I would be sitting in my class in high school and I'd get called to the office and I'd be like, oh, man, what? Not like why like more like what did they find out mm-hmm. i'd be walking around the hall my mom would be there and i'd start <laughs> panicking and i'd run through all my heads like oh, you know all the things you do as a kid like i jumped this fence right broke that window or whatever it might have been but it was it was usually like oh robert egger called my mom at work and wanted me to come look at this new pair of shoes and get my my opinion on them like in the middle of school <laughs> well yeah it got me out of school <laughs> well you know because they go home at five or six or whatever yeah, I guess so. So, eh? and it was like an hour it was like an hour and 50 minute drive to the morgan hill to the, where my desk is now yeah so i'm going to the same building now as a 41 year old as wow. i was when Crazy. i was 16 wow. it's been completely reconfigured it yeah if if you have haven't seen it in all the stages you wouldn't have even known it was the same buildings but yeah it's it's kind of crazy sometimes when I walk in there I'm like wow I've been coming here for a while but it was always sweet because San Jose Ramp Club was on the way home so I was always down to come and look at whatever okay, they that answers to my see. next question you were in San Jose at the um, time that's you went to high school no I went to high school in Pleasant Hill so like okay, East Bay copy. Walnut Creek up Concord Martinez area cool nice. yeah so and then I guess as you were kind of going into that you know at what point were you like, okay, it's time to like, all right, I've, I've maybe I've, I should just focus more on a career in the bike industry as opposed to an athlete, like being an athlete. Um, so I guess it was the end of, at the end of 2008, this is funny actually now that we're putting these pieces together, it was actually because of Specialized, I was kind of thrusted into the position that I'm now in. Yeah. <laughs> but they, you know, 2008, America, the recession, they, they went from not being able to have enough stock of bikes to having three years stock of bikes. Does this sound familiar? I know. Like, I'm like, wait, industry. what? <laughs> they went from ha- having, yeah, like not being able to keep these BMX bikes in stock to then having like a three-year supply. And it's like, you know, it's a business. You got to keep it running. Yeah. So the BMX program was actually <laughs> dropped. So I lost my ride. And I do remember this. Starting in 2009. And there was like a couple of other sponsors that kind of dropped at the same time. So it was like okay, it's time to make shit happen. Mm-hmm. And I, and I dug real deep. I think I lost like 30 pounds. I got super fit. I used to be, I used to be kind of chunky. <laughs> I had like a, 
probably like a five-year celebration of winning X Games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was stoked. What do you do? Yeah. Um, but no, I got super fit and like learned a bunch of new tricks and like the stuff I saw winning and I was pro- like probably the best I've ever felt on my bike and like the most consistent on the gnarly tricks was probably in the first like five months of 2009 when I didn't have any sponsors when Crazy. I was just kind of finding like finding my own way so again. did you did you lose all your sponsors at that time it wasn't all of them yeah. um but m- most of them yeah <laughs> yeah was it just, this was just kind of similar the woes of the of the industry due to economic issues and yeah whatnot. yeah woes of the industry and by that time I was like pretty solid as like that top 10 guy mm-hmm. and when there's only like four or five big paychecks to go around, yeah, you don't end. The top ten mm. guy gets cut. So. Yeah, and you end up, you know, traveling to all these contests is a huge financial impact. And yeah, if you don't have the support for that. Like, well, that was the thing, though. I mean, we haven't talked about where I went. So the first job I had out of being a pro athlete, which was my actual first job ever besides the paper route, was the brand manager of Haro Bikes. Mm-hmm. So I got that job opportunity like a month before the contest season started, and I was like, do I roll the dice? and just go off of this feeling, right, that I'm having right now, how good I'm feeling on the bike, or do I, like, I, oh, yeah, and in January of the same year, I had, I had our, we had our child, my wife and I, Mary, we had our daughter, Elle, so it's mm-hmm. like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And I'd already, like, been super, not, I wouldn't say complacent, but very satisfied with where my career was at after 10 years at that point, and I just didn't want to miss that opportunity to take that next step. I, of course, I had in my head I could do both, so that first year, in 2009 as the brand manager at Haro, I competed full time and I, and I sucked mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was frustrating. I it bet. was like, I wasn't, I wasn't the, the rider I thought I was. And it was all in my head that people were looking at me different. And it was just, you know, so I kind of, I kind of decided at the end of that year it was the last due tour in Florida where I went to, I went back to Greenville for two weeks before it. And I was like, I talked to my bosses at her. I was like, Hey, I'm just going to go to Greenville for two weeks. I'm going to do this last due tour of the year. And then that's it. I'm going to call it quits. Mm-hmm. And I went and then my whole goal was to make finals. Cause you want to go out at least making yeah. finals. Yeah. Right. And man, it was like, I think, I, I think in the first heat, I think I had qualified like sixth or seventh. So they took 12 to the final. So it wasn't a sure thing until like Alistair Witten crashed, Scotty Kramer crashed. It was like this whole buildup, but I ended mm-hmm. up making finals and was, able to go out on my own terms, which was what I always wanted. You know, there's been times where I've seen, you know, friends and other competitors lose their sponsors, spend the money that they have to try to do something and not reach it and then end up hating the sport. Yeah. And that was the main thing is I just did not want to hate bikes. I wanted to be on my, my terms. Yeah. Yeah. That's sick. So like kind of a natural way to go out and you had a new thing. Yeah. Coming in. Yeah. So how long were you with Haro for? I guess I never even realized. I, I I didn't realize that you went and worked. Yeah, it was like two thousand nine to like it was like two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like maybe two thousand twelve is when I made the move over to Santa Cruz bicycles. Yeah, or no, sorry, oh, no. to Bell Helmets. Yeah, yeah like, Bell. I I, that was when I first Skip realized one. that you were in like bridging into the like mountain bike world. That was, was the first time. Yeah, yeah, Bell Giro. One of the first Bell trips that I did, I went to Fort William World Cup and like nice. met all the World Cup racers. I was there polishing their helmets. It was yeah. sick. <laughs> sick <laughs> but that was like my first world like downhill World Cup experience and I was like I need to figure out how, how to do this. This yeah. is like So I, did you race? Did time. you did you try to a crack at racing downhill? No, no. I was a full goon, dude. Yeah. I rented a I rented a Trek slash from like the local thing and like 
didn't want to pay for a lift ticket and tried to figure out how to pedal. It was, I didn't, I didn't ride mountain bikes. Yeah. Either. You just didn't even know yet. Yeah, I didn't you weren't know. into the scene. Isn't yet. it though? Interesting when you come from a, when you have a, it's so funny, a BMX background, you know, you see it on pink bike and everybody always makes fun of it. But when you have a BMX background going into riding like, like mountain bikes, making that transition or even moto people that ride motos also like it switches over really well. Yeah, Elliot is in the background here. What up, Elliot? He's, he's, <laughs> We're all dirt bikers here. Uh, not actually. me. Oh, not you? No, <laughs> I wish. Shoot. Actually, we, I do want to talk to you about your flip on a dirt bike. We'll yeah. get to that, though. Okay, <laughs> okay we got to talk about... Um, but I, but it is interesting. So like when you say you're a goon, it's like, yeah, maybe you're not the fastest in the technical or like slapping corners, but man... Once you start hitting jumps, it's so funny. Like you see people like Dennis Anderson or uh, Christian Reigel or Brad Sims, like all these people picking up mountain bikes mm-hmm. and then just s- super Slaying styly. You have that <laughs> one whip off worlds, which is also something we should is that talk 2018? about. 2018? 2017 and 2018. The oh, only yeah, back the to only back. The no only big deal. dude to hit a back to back win. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Pretty uh, sick. I think uh, I think Goldstone maybe has a chance this year, but I'm going to be there too. So. Uh oh! <laughs> Are you getting oh, coming for you, kid? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's you're not going to get back into it. No, I'm going to be there. Oh, yeah, 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 but yeah, I don't yeah. think I stand a chance against Goldstone. I don't know, man. Dude, come I've on, seen that your kid is a magic man. Yeah. No, it was I. We, I was looking at it recently because I just wanted to like re- remind myself of it. You have this. The, your whip is so nasty because you just you come off and your back wheel is like higher than your head and you're like fully almost like reversed it's one of those under whips that's just like mind bottling <laughs> well i have a criteria for what i consider a whip uh-huh. and my criteria it's always kind of come from moto like loving moto whips and stuff let's and like, break this down if it was if it it to count as a whip on on the way up your front tire has to be over your head Mm-hmm. And on the way down, your back tire has to be over your head. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That that's a whip. Yeah, I've seen a lot of kickouts out there in the whip off. <laughs> yeah, but that's a whip, in my opinion. Of course, it's whatever it's preference. Uh-huh. So yeah, <laughs> but that's that's why Physics. I think they work like that. So like you guys got to use all the angles, all the angles of the dangle. You got to hit up, down, left, right. And you got to use the bump stop on your triple clamp, <laughs> and you got yeah, you got to pull back and not slightly. It's yeah. there's a whole thing to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. So you're, let's talk about moto for a little bit. Um, That's why they look like that. Cause it's just the same motion on a motorcycle. Yeah. But for some reason on a motorcycle, my natural whip is the other way Wow. Uh, because I refuse to do a goofy footed whip. So I just learned to do them the other way on a bike and I kind of mm-hmm. stuck. Yeah. It's Are funny. you goofy footed on board sports? No. You're regular footed. Or wait, I don't know. What is that? Right foot forward. Uh, my left foot is forward. Left foot forward. That's how you ride bikes too? Yeah. Okay, and you whip left. That way. Yeah, and you whip the other way. Sometimes. Yeah, on moto, for some reason, like, it's just that's been the way it's always Mm. been comfortable. I don't know why. So did you grow up, I mean, I know you're, I met your dad. Uh, He (laughs) stayed with Paris and us, uh, and and I at My 73-year-old dad staying at Paris' house on a riding trip. (laughs) What a legend your dad is also. He just shows up. He's there for, I don't know, five or six days and he rode twice. He pretty much, he rode like once in the morning and also in the afternoon. And then in between 
he wouldn't be like, oh, I'm just going to bebop around and check out. He would be on his the e-bike just zipping around. He rode wow. more bikes than anyone I've ever seen <laughs> so in like a that, short huh? period of time. My dad's gnarly. <clears throat> My dad's definitely gnarly. But I was talking That's to him. And he So he used to work for Kawasaki, right? And so was, was that a huge influence? Like, were you just always around motos growing up? Yeah, I mean, it's always been like I some of my earliest memories are being at the Kawasaki race shop or being at Anaheim supercross or something. But yeah, my, so my dad, he raced for the motocross team in the seventies and then like mid seventies, he transitioned over to the R and D team, which is, that is so funny. It, there's a very parallel line between our careers, like (laughs) professional athlete goes and works for the company that they brand development or yeah, it's crazy. There's some, there's definitely some similarities. I haven't, I haven't given it all up and moved the family out to the middle of nowhere yet. Yeah. (laughs) But what do we deem as the middle of nowhere? Temecula? (laughs) No, Point Arena, California. Where's that? You said it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful small place, but Hmm. at one point, um, I think, you know, my parents had kind of they got over uh, raising their kids in the Orange County atmosphere, so we ended up moving way northern California. Yeah. Okay, and that's when you guys—that's how you grew up up there. Yeah, yeah. And, it was, ended up going to high school up there. Yep. Well, that, I went to elementary and middle school there, but high school was in the East Bay in San, okay. in like the San Francisco Bay. So you area. you moved back down south as an adult. Uh, like I think it was two like maybe eight days after I graduated high school. I was 17 when I graduated. Okay. Two days after I graduated high school, I did my first X Games in San Francisco. Three days after that, I went on like an eight-month tour doing demos. Our first one was in New York City, so we mm-hmm. drove to New York City. Mm-hmm. Damn. Um, and then I ended up living with my brother on his couch in Huntington Beach for like a year and a half or two years before yeah. I went to North Carolina. Yeah. Nice. And so like growing up with your dad being so involved in motorcycles that was just something like how did you get into riding bmx bikes or just bikes in general being surrounded by motorcycles i envisioned myself the reason i rode a bmx bike growing up was because i couldn't we couldn't afford to get a dirt bike they're expensive and it was it was a it was my mom was like oh if you want a dirt bike you better just start mowing a lot of lawns and save the money you know Mm -hmm. um and a BMX bike was way more obtainable. I could work on it myself. I could build dirt jumps in my backyard, you know, things like that, that yeah. made it, it was more accessible for me. So how did you, you know, having access to moto get into riding bikes? Um, I think, man, the, probably the first and foremost, and the biggest thing that influenced it was the movie rad, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I saw in the theater. Uh-huh. I think I might've been, what did it, when did it come out? 86. So I was like four. Mm-hmm. I feel um, like Rad has come up on this show more podcasts than it hasn't, <laughs> actually. I mean, it's one of the best movies. Yeah, Maybe we do so an good. episode where we sit down and watch the movie Rad and comment about it. <laughs> People like, would like love that. Two, what is it? 2001, whatever. Sarcastic. They wouldn't love that. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> anyway, I do actually back to, to you, Al. <laughs> I do actually want to see a World Cup review like that. Yeah. Oh, where everyone's just criti- critiquing it? Yeah. <laughs> like the comment section comes to life. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> But anyways, carry on. So, um, rad. Where was I? Oh yeah. Rad. Rad. Yeah. You Um, watched, you saw rad in the theaters. Yeah. So the movie rad. And then also the other thing was every, when we were living in orange County, when I was, as I was super young, every night we would drive home, we would drive by orange Y BMX right off the 55 freeway. And on Friday nights, the lights were on. And so eventually my brother's five years older than me. So eventually my brother convinced my parents to take us. 
which the rule in the house was you couldn't ride a dirt bike until you were 19. So that kind of like took us out. I got my first dirt bike when I was five, but we, we worked it out. <laughs> but that, okay. was the, that was the rule then. And mm-hmm. my brother was like, I think he was 11 at the time. The movie Rad came out. We saw the BMX track driving home every day and finally convinced him to go. I was only three and ended up racing mm-hmm. um, that night. And I got a trophy, so I was hooked. You Obviously. were three years old and you raced and got a trophy. <laughs> Dude, I love that. What's crazy is I remember every single thing about that. Life. Wow, that's insane. Like set it's this like kid up in the last turn. Memories. Yeah, I set that's this crazy. kid up in the last turn and I dive bombed him and I like kind of t-boned him and we both crashed. But I got up and crossed the line first. Uh, it was like, yeah. is there a video of this? I don't think. They, I don't think like normal people could afford video cameras this yeah. was like this was if i was three this was like 1985 probably mm-hmm. my birthday's like later in the month later in the year so it was probably like 1985 yeah crazy wow yeah so started racing a little bit and then it, it just kind of you just got more and more into bmx well uh, there was alongside a, of moto or were you still yeah. riding motocross around that time too yeah well so that was when i was three and then we moved to northern california and kind of one of the things that my parents kind of like sold us on from like leaving where the only place we knew was um bef- and my, it's funny my dad did it before he actually built our house he <laughs> built a bmx track in the yard oh that's awesome so we had that at our fingertips and then eventually when not long after we moved up to the country i did end up getting a motorcycle so yeah and like 30,000 acres of LP logging land is, was like the border of our property line. Okay. So it was like unlimited moto riding mm-hmm. and even got into mountain bikes a little bit. Then mm-hmm. I had a, I had a 20 inch full, full rigid Nishiki. Mm-hmm. Nice. I actually raced the kamikaze downhill on it when I was nine in full moto. No gear. Way. <laughs> That's kind I of legendary too. That too. There's some, fo- I think there's some photos around. I was wearing the, the, um, the, uh, Ron machine dog pound kit. It was pretty sick. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> That's amazing. You were a legend. <laughs> <laughs> no, so and, and your brother is really into mo- motorcycles, right? Yeah, he's that's his his yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, he's in the moto industry, so he's been general manager of a bunch of big motocross tracks down in Southern California. Um, he runs an amateur race series. Um, oh man, he's gonna kill me for not being able to plug it. What's mm. the name of it? Swap Moto. Uh, I'm sorry, Aaron. Sorry. <laughs> it's like one of the most, one of the, one of the premier amateur race leagues yeah. in the country or in, yeah, in the country. He does some events in the East coast and Texas and all over the place, but nice. primarily in Southern California. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's the Mecca for moto. That's really cool. So now, since we're talking about motocross, yeah, let's talk. About I really want to know about the backflip. You, I saw this video and it's you at Twitch's house and you just flipped a dirt bike after what, how many tries? It was like, you flipped in the foam pit a handful of times. Just what, you just had seen it. People were doing flips. This is kind of early in the flip era, right? And yeah, like, what is this? I think I was 06. Oh man, I don't know. Yeah, yeah in 2000s. Probably, probably about 06. Yeah. There I was, a little kid living in Temecula. <laughs> oh, it was in Temecula. That yeah. That's where, we, that's where it was. Yeah, that's where I grew up. Yeah. It was actually, I think it used to be Brian Deegan's house, and then it was Nate Adams' house when I went there. And it kind of, I guess, what spawned it is like, remember the show Fuel, Fuel TV? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Remember yeah. the network the Fuel TV? Oh, yeah. What was the daily, what was the daily like news? Blue Torch? Was that what they it was had called? Some, they had some like action sports news thing. Okay. And one of the, I remember watching it at home and one of the news things was um, one of, like another BMX rider. It was like the first BMX rider to do a backflip on a motorcycle and then it cut to the clip and it was on like a mini bike, like, like a 110 or something. And mm-hmm. I was like... It's like we can't have we can't have yeah. that out there as <laughs> uh-huh. being. You don't remember one. who it was? 
I do remember who it was. You just don't <laughs> want to It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All right, all right. If, if maybe Fuel TV, I think Fuel TV's on the internet. Probably. I think they're making a resurgence, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's like a YouTube yeah. channel, so maybe it's out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. You can figure it out. But me as, like, you know, being a young dickhead that I was at yeah. this time, I wanted to, like, show this person. Because at the time, we were, like... Mira built Mira built a mini <laughs> supercross track behind the warehouse just for like between sessions just to, so we weren't bored or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would we would get bored of the supercross track and then bring our like uh, I think we all had XR80s and we would just fl- like do flips on the resi. Like of course the foam pit was there, we do that first, but then we would just get to the point where we were comfortable just flipping the resi, no problem. So I was like kind of had an idea about it and I knew the people because uh, Nate Adams was my teammate through DC at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, kind of like, yeah, come on, go for it kind of thing. Because yeah. it was a little early on, on the flips. Like there was a handful of guys yeah. doing it, but not everybody. But yeah, I ended up doing it, I think, six times into the foam pit and then did it three times ramp to dirt. Perfect. In the Pretty same sick. day. And that was it. It was literally perfect. Checked it off the list and never have to do it again. <laughs> same you, day. Have you, have you never did it again? No. I've, you know what's funny is I've thought about it. I was like, lean back a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm just You're like, still looking young and spry. You should no hit that again. There's no need to. Yeah. If I had, a, if I had a good reason, if if a reason came up, I'd probably. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna find out who this other guy was, and I'm gonna start a battle between you two. <laughs> I I mean uh, the other thing I was uh, another thing I'm curious about. Do you remember that weird feud that Deegan had with uh, BMXers at one? There was like a fight. <laughs> Do you not want to talk about? I this? was ground zero, bro. You were? <laughs> oh yeah. Did he fight you? Um. So he didn't. <laughs> this is good. Dude, this is he, so he good. Didn't, he didn't fight me. I was oh. like, I think I was seventeen years old and probably like hundred and forty pounds. I was just a little kid. But there was like, I think it was Gravity Games in Rhode Island. I'm looking this way because that's where I keep everything in my brain. Mm, right side guy. Um. But um. But yeah, I think it was Gravity Games in two thousand in. There was a little, there was already a little bit of beef and like kind of some shit talking, but uh-huh. can we, can we cuss on this? Yeah. yeah, yeah okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, there was kind of, there was kind of some back and forth, but at the time it's like, how was the back and forth going on? It was just like, there's no social media. Yeah. There's no like, it, was, it wasn't even was back Twitter. in the day when you there was my space, someone's face, but that's not what we used it for. <laughs> um, so there was a little bit of tension or whatever. And there was this, there was this after party and dude, I don't even know. I don't even know what led to it, but next thing I knew, Deegan like shoved me and I obviously <laughs> flew across the room because uh-huh. I was this little tiny kid. And then like that kind of like built up some tension. And then I, I was like, well, I'm out of here. Like, I don't yeah. want to be here. So I left. And that was the night after that party out in front of this hotel. There was like a brawl with uh-huh. like Jay Miron, I think Dave Asado and <laughs> Deegan oh and gosh. all of like the whole thing kind yeah. of like started there. And it went on for a couple of years, but we all grew up and it's yeah. all good. Just yeah. like BMX verse. Yeah. Like I haven't, guys. somebody I haven't poured seen... a beer on him or he poured a beer on somebody too at an event or something. What I was that was, deal? I think the same night. Oh, that was there the same was some, night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just it was all who's harder. It was, yeah. It's, we were all in a new world, right? And yeah. Yeah. everyone was trying to be the king. Yeah. Well, some people were trying to be the king. I was Not just you. trying to be there. You were just a 17 year old kid. I was a very little kid. I was a very little kid. But it's all, it's all good. I, like I, we've hung out before. I think I hooked up his kid with a BMX when I was working at Haro. And it's the like reason no I ask fe- is no hard feelings. You mentioned Deegan's house and the um, when you flipped the moto, he was there in the video. Oh too. yeah, they were all there to watch me die. I could see it in their eyes. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> and you just did it, and you're just like, 
That's pretty. <laughs> I've been sick, doing this though, for actually. years. You guys just learned how to flip like last year. It's all good. A good respect moment, huh? I think I think I did gain a, maybe a little bit of respect good. on that one from those guys. But. It seems definitely like people are growing up now. I think Everyone's the thing. Cool. I think the thing that was funny was like, you know, any well, any athlete at the top is very fickle about their like got my suspension, got to have my mm-hmm. stiff wheels and my bar. And I was just on like a bone stock two fifty F. That's why they thought I was gonna die. Uh huh. Wow. That's crazy. Like you hadn't set settings or anything on suspension. I mean, it was just like straight off the showroom floor. That's amazing. Like, I don't even think I had it. <laughs> and a your shit still it. looked pretty fucking clean. Well, there's a big risk there. You don't want to blow that one. <laughs> no. So, so, okay. We can move past the moto thing. The one thing I am curious about too is, is, you know, your trajectory in mountain biking. Cause you did whip off and you won it twice back to back, which you said is <laughs> pretty legendary f- in both sports. Potentially, maybe we can. Uh, potentially, the only time it's ever happened. Maybe it is. I don't know. But uh, have you? I guess you rode uh, Dark Fest and, and stuff like that. What is? I guess where you're, you're kind of having this resurgence into the mountain bike world. Like, what is the driving factor behind that? Is, is it just the desire to just hit big shit, or what? I like. I think. I don't know. I do, I do think about this a lot and it's, it's cause it's all, it's like my choice, you know, for, I, for a long time I was doing, I was doing the thing I loved, but for something specific or for another reason, you know, they always say, you hear the, you hear the saying, you know, find what you love and make it your job. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, to an extent, but like, if it's, if it's like your sole purpose is to perform at this certain level, like everybody has a bad day and then you get like you get the mental side of it, like coming back from injuries or seeing your friends like have life changing injuries and like all that kind of stuff. You know, it just kind of it just kind of it just kind of wears on you and kind of takes away your love of the of the riding. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that was what was so, so cool sure. about finding mountain bikes is I was straight into a beginner's mind. Like I didn't have fun on my BMX bike. Like I guess 2009 was my last competitive year and I probably didn't have fun on my BMX bike to like for like six or seven years. Like I just had this feeling everywhere I was that people saw the only thing that they saw mm-hmm. on TV or on mm. magazines and that I was a shadow of that. And yeah. then it was just almost some like kind of let down. I mean, I am a hundred percent sure that it was all in my head, but it took me a while to get past it. And what got me past it was finding this like beginner's mind in mountain biking and like getting stoked to hit a turn and mm-hmm. like kind of take, some of the, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily taking some of the danger out, but what is the biggest difference about mountain biking? Well, the type of mountain biking I'm doing, I'm not doing like free ride. I'm not doing stunts anymore, but the biggest difference is in order to learn and progress at BMX and at tricks, you have to crash. Like, what is that? What does any right. smart person say? You have to make mistakes to learn. Yeah. Right. Well, my body got to a point where I just couldn't take the abuse to learn more than right. where I had gotten. And that was like pretty frustrating. But then when I found mountain bikes, it was like every single ride, I could figure something new out. And then my job kind of got me in this position where like I spent five years following the best enduro racers in the world in all their practice runs with no pressure of racing. Mm-hmm. And I like figured it out. Like, this is how you break. This is yeah. how you turn. And like riding with the best just gets got you there. super nerdy. That's what, I, that's what I meant about like, <laughs> I was a kook. I just got super nerdy about it. I just wanted to like absorb and learn and be better every day. And I think that's like, it's kind of a key to life, especially 
post-professional career, I think. Like, yeah. you know, there's the conversations about, about CTE and, you know, the head injury thing and how mm-hmm. that can affect somebody and the, the, um, the psychological effects and how that can, like, you know, it can, it can escalate into suicide basically yeah. is, where, is where we're going. Right. We obviously are thinking of some people um, yeah. when that comes up. But honestly, like, and not to take away anything, I think that, I think that the depression or the like separation anxiety, somebody, a therapist actually told me this one time that to walk away from a career is no different than mourning the death of somebody, but it's even harder because you're mourning the death of yourself, Hmm. your vision of yourself, how you think other people see you and all that stuff. And I mean, it's kind of cliche and silly, but mountain biking probably is what got me. It definitely got me past all of that. And I think it's probably what has me still going. So now going back to your original question, (laughs) the dark fest thing, like I just, it's not necessarily a motivation to like, to, I don't know, be it's, of course it's great. Everyone wants acceptance, but ultimately what it comes down to is I see these things and I'm like, fuck, I got to know what that feels like. Like, I got to know what that feels (laughs) like. Cause, cause you know, I mean, not to get, not to get dark here. This isn't dark. This is happy, but you can't progress forever. And like the, I've never seen the light at the end of the tunnel, but I, I do now probably to where I'm probably, you know, I see where I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to not progress any further and be totally fine with that. But, but right now I'm motivated and I want to like use every second of that. So I come up with these ideas and I'm lucky enough to have had that BMX career in the notoriety to where I can like, I can hit up dudes and be like, Hey, can I come ride your thing? And they invite me and I, I get to do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I'll, I, I, might, I think the uh, idea of what progression is right is can, if in your, in what you're referring to, I think your vision of progression is like getting better at like being faster or hitting, doing a different trick or doing it in a different way. But I think like your dad, like, He's seven. How old is he? 73, 73 years old. I would argue that he's still progressing in, in all sorts of different ways. Right. So I think you can always progress in some manner and it's just a, a a matter of what it is or how you view progression, you know? Yeah. Good point. But yeah, no, I think it's really, it's super cool to see, you know, you, you have one of the sickest styles on a mountain bike when you're hitting a jump and I, it all comes back to, you know, thanks man, background and BMX background. And I think it transitions really well. And you've you're like, you know, when I see you go and blast, you know, I don't want to age you if you don't, if you don't want to be, aged. I already said I'm 41. Yeah. I already said, yeah. yeah. Like 40, you know, you're in your forties and you're hitting, what is that? That's dark fest, right? Like have you, how many, have you, was that the one, only one you went to or have you been to other ones? It was the only one I've been able to go. It just so happened that we were doing a bike launch, like on the other side of the hill. And the day that the bike launch ended That's was amazing. the first day of dark fest. Mm-hmm. So I like, and I only found this out like the day or two before I was leaving. So I just brought a downhill bike, like mm-hmm. without even talking to anybody. I just started messaging people. And of course they were like, yeah, come on over, check it out. Yeah. And they were wow. super welcoming. And that was another thing that really drew me to mountain biking is it's much more inclusive than, than BMX for sure. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, mean, it's just an age thing. Too. It's an age thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it. yeah, it's boom happened later. Well, I guess maybe probably the same time, but. Yeah, I, th- I just think that BMX, there's, um, 
I don't know. There's, there is a lot of like clickiness that goes on there. You're either cool with these people or not cool. It like, you know, I grew up riding dirt jumps and trail spots. You had to get invited to it's some of those spots. Scene. You could and never still, show up. If you just is. showed up, you better have a case of beer or be showing up with a broom and water can, you yeah. know, like, Hey, I'm here to help. You know, But, uh, um, mountain biking, I feel like is a little less, uh, aggressive like that. There are those people obviously in the bike scene. We have some of them that live here in Bellingham, you know, that don't ride my, stay off my trail. Don't touch my trail, you know, kind of stuff. But, um, if I, if I found it, you didn't hide it good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, another thing I wanted to talk about, but in a, in a little bit, but I, I still, I'm curious hitting those huge jumps. Did you, you know, like the comfort level of, did you hit that 90 footer mm-hmm. that was there? So I can't, what even year f- would this have been? This was four years ago. Three? This is 2020, just before years COVID. I almost got stuck in South yeah. Africa by like so you six were days. 38 years old. Was I? I guess so, yeah. Hitting the, at the current time, the yeah. biggest jump, biggest mountain bike oh, jump yeah. in the world. <laughs> uh, Nico Vink was stoked because he was no longer the oldest person riding when I showed up. He was only like a, a year or two younger than you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, but, but hitting it, like going into a jump like that, uh, you know, the mentality of it, what do you, how are you approaching that? Like, what are you thinking? Have you, had you ever hit a jump that big on either a motorcycle or anything like, yeah, I think so. The biggest jump I ever did on a dirt bike was probably like one forty. There was this like double tabletop thing, but if you got the turn good enough, you could just send it and jump the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean, I have jumped bigger things on dirt bikes, but, um, I'm sure that, that helps. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It helps for sure. It helps. Um, BMX probably the biggest jump was probably mega ramp, which was back when I was doing it, it was a 70 foot gap on the big side and you would usually go like 80. So mm-hmm. that was on a BMX bike. It was on a little kid's sick. bike. Yeah. Crazy. So I, I kind of like took that confidence in, but I mean, at the, at the stage, like where I'm at with my riding, I've totally, I don't know. I feel like you're never going to be a hundred percent. Right. But I feel like I've figured out my path for the mental side of riding. Yeah. Like I wasn't, I can't say I was nervous while I was riding there, but like, like watering the jumps and looking at them, I was like, Oh fuck. Okay. And just like being able to visualize it and, and let that be your guide for confidence and then switching that all off and just enjoying the moment is like something I've kind of figured out how to do. Yeah. Walk us through some of that. I'm very intrigued as someone who's trying not to die currently. (laughs) Um, there was a, there's just, you know, I don't know. I pick up little pieces from all over the place. Like one of the things that hit me and where I think, where I think I really actually, the first time I ever actually keyed in on this thing, like, I think I had done it before, but I didn't really know what I was doing or the process was this light bulb went off. I was watching some Tony Hawk documentary and they would, he was talking about trying to learn the 900 and now he would focus on only visualizing. Cause you know, you're trying anything you're tr- you're going to visualize it. Mm-hmm. So then when you're in the moment, it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. So his whole thing was he just only ever visualized pulling it. He never had a plan B. It was never like, well, if I under rotate a little bit here, this is where I'm going to throw my board. Or I'm going to slide out here. Never imagined not pulling it. Mm-hmm. And that's like, a, that was one of his keys to being able to do it kind of thing. So as I'm, I've been working on this edit for a couple of years now, Dougie Fresh has got it tight. Yeah. Doug in the we're, background. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> um, but there was kind of, there was a pretty big dead man stunt. Even some of my friends kind of tried to talk me out of it, but it was like 
one of those things I had to know what it felt like, but it was one of the, it was one of those ones where like you kind of only get one try, especially mm-hmm. at my spry old age. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, just like the amount of practice and the amount of visualizing and then like on the day of like, just like, and I had never done this before, but this was just one way I'd figured it out. Just my wife, Mary, she's very spiritual on the yoga side and does yoga teaching and, and all that stuff. So I like, I just lay on the bed and close my eyes and just visualized for like 45 minutes, only pulling it over and over and over again. And then when I, when I was done with that, I just had this like sense of relaxation mm-hmm. and I had this little warm up spot, went and warmed up and just went boom straight to it and pulled it first try. And when that happened, it like clicked to me. I'm like, okay, there's actually a process that I can follow. And the amount of confidence you get from knowing what to do is like, now I'm almost like, feel like, you know, what's that limitless pill? Like, yeah, I know where is that spot? Yeah. And like, if it's something that I'm really focused on and like, if I'm worried about not doing, I think I feel pretty confident about figuring it out. It's the little things that, you know, pop up out of nowhere that you don't, you know, like, when your stem slips and you come yeah. and fracture your arm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a specific story. Yeah. That was 13 weeks ago. I don't even remember it. <laughs> oh, damn. Nice. Yeah. No. So you, you weren't ever, this is a more recent ability to kind of get into that headspace. Riding BMX bikes, you know, and learning new tricks on a BMX bike. Do you wonder, like, do you, are you curious about, like, what, if, what if I was in that headspace back then? Like, did you ever for think, sure think about like what you would have been capable of? I mean, you were, I'm not saying you're not, you haven't been successful. You've obviously been incredibly successful, but, um, you know, I'm just curious, like how, how does that headspace, how would that headspace have affected you in the past? You know, I think it would have completely changed my competitive career. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying for the better, cause you know, you, you go down the roads, you go down sure. for a certain mm-hmm. reason. Right, right. For whatever reason, it wasn't my time to have figured that stuff out. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, for sure, like being able to deal with the nerves of a contest or something. Like I always used to have this sort of formula that I was 80% sure of what was going to happen and 20% unsure. That was like where my comfort zone was. But every once in a while, you'd like, you'd find yourself in a position where it was flipped, where you were uh, 80% unsure of what was going to happen and like kind of 20% like, I think I can do it. Mm-hmm. And like in those moments, I think is where kind of what I've learned now would have really helped out. Yeah. 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 I mean, and in, in those moments, you're just sort of like, I'm probably going to get hurt if I do this, but whatever. <laughs> or like, like, how are you sort of like, like, I just need to go for it. <laughs> you know, like usually, I mean, there's been a, f- I kind of learned I learned this by, you know, you learn things by watching, right? Mm-hmm. So flash way back to the first backflip ever done on a motorcycle, Carrie Hart. Yeah, I remember. Was that X Games? It was Gravity Games. Gravity it Games, was the yeah. same year the it whole thing the, happened. It was the landing <laughs> nice. with a dirt lip carved in, like vertical lip carved in the back of a landing. So he just went straight up the backside. Yeah, of it was landing. like a spine flip. Uh-huh. It was sick. Yeah, I remember <laughs> but he was like 50 feet in the air. Uh-huh. But it, it, at that point, he had never done it into a foam pit. He had never done it into water. He, had, he could do it on a BMX bike. But Holy I saw shit. I saw his process, and his process was to tell everybody he was gonna do it, <laughs> just so and he was like, committed. He didn't he didn't like go and carve the lip like late at night when no one was around and try to surprise them to get a bigger score. He was like, I mean, looking back now, this is assumption, but I feel like he was like 
putting himself in the position where he had to do it. Yeah. Like he's out there carving the lip during practice. And I remember the the announcers were talking about how he was going to do this for four days leading up to it. They were talking about it. So, so that's usually something I fall back on. Like you just tell somebody and then you're like, he was a 20% guy at the time. 20% sure he could do it, but 80% sure that he had to because he already told her. Exactly. 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 That's wild. Yeah. yeah. So that was like, that's one of the things like looking back at one of those moments was, um, was X games. I don't even remember which year it's all kind of seems like one. Mm-hmm. I think it might've been my last one. So 2010, cause I was previously qualified or 20, 2009. I don't know. Someone can Google if they care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had like, usually you have like a safety run. I think at the time we had, we're getting three runs and best run counted. So like I had a safety run to start the contest. And then I pulled that and then I had like, okay, this is my banger run. And then I pulled that. I was like, well, now what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And on the elevator up to the rolling, cause it's inside the stable center, you're basically rolling in from the rafters. My mm-hmm. brother's like, what do you think about Superman seat grab flipping it? And I was like, I was kind of thinking that too. And he's like, okay. And, and at the time there was a 50 footer and a 70 footer. And I was like, I was like, man, I don't think it's going to be any easier on the 50 than the 70. So basically just sent, like went for it on the 70. But I like told a bunch of people just before I was going to do it. And I was like, I had that in my head. Uh-huh. Okay, now I have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up pulling it. It was sweet. That's yeah. sick. It was on like the cover of USA Today or something. Probably the most circulation I've ever had in my entire life. Wow. But like in a newspaper. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I feel like those mega ramps, is it, have you ever seen anyone come up short on them? I feel like it's almost impossible because you're growing so fast. So you're going to get over it. But, and then you're like mobbing down 80 miles an hour like you're saying down the landing but yeah i mean i think i mean i think i've seen someone case before but there's like an angled safety case it's like uh yeah it's funny looking at it it's hard to tell but it's like probably a 15 foot safety case Uh so and yeah we were like basically the rolling for the 70 foot side we're having to skid like two sheets oh i do not want to it was built for skateboards not bicycles yeah, so we had to skid down, and then you would be like, okay, now I'm going the right oh speed. So casing was So not, it wasn't just mindless drop-in. No, you had Holy to like shit, that, you had to time that it. makes it scary. It that makes it way terrifying. worse. The jump yeah. was always pretty chill. It's like a 747 coming in, right? Yeah. Like you could uh-huh. kind of land. You're definitely going to get burned yes. from the skate light because yes. you're going like 40. Uh-huh. But it was the quarter pipe that was terrifying. That. <laughs> see, I do want to know about that. Dude. <laughs> I hit a 20-foot quarter pipe one time and it was the feeling of being in the transition for that long was so nauseating i did not like it so i can imagine of what those things are like 40 27 27 yeah, yeah with two feet of vert yeah i don't know they made them smaller I, they were 27 with two feet of vert back then um but yeah i mean i'm sure you know like as you're going up that tranny you you know you for those of you that don't have a bmx background <laughs> when you air a quarter pipe you kind of spot the coping uh-huh. and that's like your point where you pop off yeah. but going up a 27 foot quarter pipe or a 20 you, it disappears all you see is a wall it's in front of you just a wall of yeah sheet and then of skate light all of a sudden you're in the air for a very long time oh my god yeah and, it, god. and which is terrifying too because you, you said there's two for two feet of vert on that yeah it doesn't feel like there's any though that's insane because you're going, you're so, going fast. so fast yeah and so like if you if you go it, the the margin for error is you case, you die. You let you pull out too far, and you go to flat, you die. Who yeah. was it's it? About, it's about it's about eight. You have about eight feet. Like, 
eight feet out from coping, you were going to survive. You're you might fall, but you're there. not going to explode. But much more past that, like Jake Brown, he was like, yeah, yeah. He was like shoes off. He was like 18, 18 feet out. From, I, from I, I still have the shoes coming off, like burned into yeah. my brain. That, I, um, that, ha- that happened like 30 minutes before our event started. We were like, <laughs> oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. That is so horrific. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> this insane. is a kind of a funny story. I had smoked a joint before watching that <laughs> contest, and I literally thought I witnessed somebody die on live television. <laughs> Dude, I was there. I was, I was like, there, and I thought his feet were like still on the shoes. Me up. I like didn't smoke weed for like two years after that. I was like, I swear to God, I witnessed somebody die. I'm sweating. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> so Have you ever seen Pet Cemetery? No. <laughs> no. When, when the kid gets hit by a big rig and is killed, the one that then becomes Chucky, <laughs> his that was like this gruesome scene where the truck hit him, but his feet were still in his shoes. Mm. <laughs> that was how you pictured. That was went through my brain when I saw. It. I was yeah. like, his feet had broke off. <laughs> like, <they're> not... <laughs> I can't believe oh he walked God. off. He Dude. he literally got up and walked away. Which, I couldn't believe which that. Which think think about now in today's medical sports medical world. No, they would never let you do that. Dude, ever. he was he was <laughs> sleeping for like four minutes. Uh huh. He had a broken back, a broken neck. I think he, he had Fucking fractured bones in both crazy. of his legs and places. Like I forgot wrists. how long he was out for. Yeah. yeah. He was, yeah. Yeah, what a tough guy. Wow. <laughs> Insane. I can't believe that. Yeah. I mean, that's so the, all, the, all those, like, Mega Ant Pioneer dudes, Denny Way, maybe the year mm-hmm. after when he, he, like, I think he did a 540 on the quarter pipe, maybe, like, 18 feet out, huge, and actually decked it mm-hmm. and broke both of his ankles mm-hmm. and came back for the next run and pulled it and got third. That is insane. I don't remember that happening. That's guys, psycho. These guys are gnarly. I don't know yeah. if you ever listened to the Nine Club pod, podcast. Uh, it's skateboard podcast. Danny Way. There's an episode with Danny Way. I'm just plugging somebody else's podcast right now, but who cares? It's really good. Go listen to it. You should plug other people's um, podcasts. But uh, uh, Danny Way is, is, is a phenomenal episode, and he talks about a lot about the Mega Ramp and the creation of it and all that kind of stuff. And he... Uh, he jumping the great wall he talks I'd, about I'd that, like so. to hear his story of the creation of the first mega ramp the one that was out at point x there's a, there's a very little known fact about that <laughs> what, yeah. what is that so that year that that happened that he did that they built that big point x mega ramp where it was at the end of the um dc skate video mm-hmm. so i got on the team like the beginning of that year and ken block was like what do you want to do for your first ad and i was like i want to do a world record distance flip so they built this huge thing. I guess it was the second, the second attempt at their building it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the one that was in the video. Uh, they kind of had built that for my stunt and I did my stunt, did the, did the world record flip. And then like, I think six months later they had added on and made it like five times as big and turned it into that mega ramp. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was, that was pretty cool to see like the, ev- the ev- evolution of it. Like and kind of getting nice. to be a little bit a part of it, yeah. That's yeah. Sick. So you did you do you still hold that record? No, I mean, three or four years later, I Superman secret flipped like fifteen feet further. Uh-huh. So yeah, it was okay. it wasn't? It, I think it was only like sixty something feet. It was very short at the time. Yeah, yeah. and you did seventy, and did they measure people doing it after that? You could see your skid marks usually. That's why. Like if you knew if you knew you went long, you could kind of go back and be like, "Yo, that was yeah. far." Yeah. Do you have any world records? Um, not that I know of. Yeah. Not anymore. 
But my mom, of course, ordered the books while it was in the Guinness Book of World yeah. Records. So I got that. <laughs> nice. That's, pretty, That's pretty cool. Did you get the placard and everything? Do you I never that? got a placard. Oh. They just used my likeness because I signed some X Games waiver, you know? <laughs> yeah. Really? I'm sure. I, I never looked That's into funny. it. But, like, if they're using someone's likeness, they yeah. have a rights. But I've signed so many, like, rights away for different mm-hmm. events or TV Broadcast show here or TV things, show yeah. there. They, I'm sure I gave it to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So... Super interesting, but I want to, I do want to go back to it. So you've been doing a lot of like announcing and whatnot at, for Crankworks and what are, is it Crankworks only the tour? Uh, yeah, I've yeah. just been doing, yeah, the, the Crankworks world tour yeah. and you're doing the slope style event, slope style, speed and style, slalom and pump track. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get into that? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, so when I guess this would have been maybe 2020 when I started talking with the Crankworks guys when they were going to re-initiate re- the tour after mm-hmm. COVID break and all that. I specialized at the time, my job, I was doing some of that stuff, like kind of managing our partners. And, you know, they, they brought to the table their their pack, their partner package. And one of the things that we really wanted was the slalom uh, title sponsorship, which, you know, it's head-to-head competition. It's super cool. And yeah. I don't know, it's one of the more exciting ones. But when I said that we were in, I asked Darren, uh, the managing director, I think is his title of Crankworks, asked him, you know, like, how, what's, what's a way that we can not just promote Specialize as a brand that makes things? Like, I, I don't think anyone's ever really said that Specialize makes a bad bike. Like, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we, like, beyond the logos and the impressions, how do we incorporate Specialize as a group of people? Mm-hmm. And like, how do we get to know a little bit more about the people that work there and the things that are beyond the sales of bicycles and stuff like that. And Crankworks is like one of the best event organizations I've ever worked with or even witnessed, like seeing some of the, th- the things that they do for their athletes. It's like, it's mm-hmm. insane. The, the length that they go for their athletes, it almost eliminates them from needing to give up 15% of their paychecks to not have an agent because they're like putting together their analytics and how much TV time they're getting and and putting it all together and giving it to them. And then mm-hmm. they can use that to go get, get sponsors and stuff. It's right. pretty cool. But you know, they're super willing to work with, with people and they kind of like, you know, that they're open-minded and that's how they get the good ideas. So the way that they came back for specialized to be able to promote us as a group of people was to highlight, you know, the people that work there and the things that we're doing. So that season it was last season. We're actually not a title sponsor this year, but last year when we were, um, the way to kind of show, us as a group was we got like a, I think it was about a two and a half minute video spot and we, I would go before the events and we would do a dig day. It was really soil searching mm-hmm. focus. That's our yeah, yeah, yeah. specialized advocacy efforts. Um, so we would go and do a dig day where Crankworks was and they would send a film crew out and they would film it and I would kind of host that little, that little video, but then to make it authentic, to go further, they actually invited me to do the commentating with Cam in the booth for the slalom so then just just to make it feel natural you know and and show that we are not just people in with suits walking the carpet like we're all bike riders yeah, like it's right. i think i'm a fair representation of a lot of the people that are at specialized and that's kind of what naturally found me in this position um but how did it get from there to here yeah uh thrown right in the fire you know I mean I had done tv stuff before and I wasn't super nervous but I you know like following a protocol or having a director in my ear telling me certain things I had never done that but Cam this was pretty early COVID so Cam had a flight delay and his flight delay 
made it so that when he got to where he was going, his uh, his vac or no his yeah his COVID test was going to be expired. So basically, they wouldn't let him on the plane. So he had to stay an extra day, get his COVID test, wait for the results. So he missed a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So like the first day I'm ever there, they're like, "Yeah, so how would you be into would you be into doing uh, pump track and, and slope style and, and speed and style too?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Whoa, okay." I don't think it was all of those at once, but I think I covered a couple for Camel before he got there. Um, but when they asked, I was like man, when, when are you ever going to get a resume piece or like an opportunity right. or like just to do it? So I didn't even, I didn't even hesitate. I was just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And that was it. And then they invited me back and now I'm like part of the broadcast team. It's pretty yeah. cool. No, and it's dude, cool. I, speaking of checking boxes, like look at who I've worked with, like Cam, yeah. Rob Warner, uh -huh. Legends. Needles. Yeah. Like all, oh man, all those guys. It's so, it's super cool to work yeah. with those guys. It's yeah. cool to see all Elliot. you guys in there because yeah, Elliot it's too. Jeez. Really engaging for the fans and athletes and stuff to have like legends doing that stuff. Yeah. And like you, you can, you can actually, I mean, both of you guys can speak to like the writing aspect of it and like how difficult and like the mentality that people are having to be in to put down these runs. Like, you know, I mean, you just look at some of the tricks that they're doing and be able to like, you're like, yeah, I did one tail whip back in the day <laughs> when I was doing that trick. Yeah, two was, two was the max. <laughs> two was the max. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's super, yeah. super fascinating. Is that something that you want to continue to do or, or that you maybe see yourself doing for a, a longer time? Um, yeah, man, I'm having, I'm having a blast doing it. I think I have a unique perspective for a couple of reasons, like because obviously – you know, I've been involved in the trick side of things and I can like see the tricks and I understand what they're doing, but also I missed about probably 10 years of progression of being mm -hmm. that dude that watched it every day and knows who's doing what trick before we get to the event. Like, cause we saw it on their Instagram and he's been practicing on the resi or whatever it might be. It had been a long time since I had done that. So getting back into it, like the enthusiasm is like a hundred percent genuine and yeah, I'm like so stoked to be there and a part of seeing this stuff. Like I cannot tell you the feeling like it's almost like how it feels winning a contest on your own when Lemoyne did that gap <laughs> yeah, into the village last cool. year. Yeah, oh I'm get I'm literally getting chills yeah, right now right. thinking about it. Like just the whole valley and the buildup of it. Like when he crashed and practiced, the whole oh man, yeah. it was just yeah, it was wild, insane. It was cool to be able to like be my face a part of presenting it to yeah. us. Yeah. There's one there's one clip if you go back and watch it, it's pretty hilarious where. It's, I think, Lemoyne's celebrating, and they go back to Cam and I in the booth, and we're supposed to be, like, talking about this crazy thing, and yeah. you just see the backs of our heads, because we're, like, looking out, like, watching it for real. Yeah. <laughs> so because uh, you guys were facing the opposite direction. Yeah, we weren't going to miss it for real. Yeah. You yeah. needed to not just be on the monitor, because uh, through our headsets, you, that's all you could hear was the crowd. It was, like, wow. the oh whole God. valley erupted. Yeah. It was so sick. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. Damn. Um, one, one question I have regarding all that, too, is, like, how do you keep, especially with Emil Johansson, how do you keep what is regular and switch dude straight <laughs> with that rider? He is so insane. Like switch looks regular, regular looks yeah, switch. Like you can't, can't keep up. With I'm that. like, wait, what, which one was that? So how, how are, are you listening? Are they telling you like, do they tell you like, oh yeah, that was a switch tail whip or like who's, how, how are you keeping track of it? Um, well, I'm not that great at it. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely blown it and Cam's really good at it. He, he can tell every time, but there are times where I get mixed up because you know, an opposite 
360 then makes his downside tail up a regular tail up. Right. But then his bar spin is opposite. Mm-hmm. And if he switches that around, then all that's backwards. But he's doing all of those things at the same time. Yeah. And it gets, it, yeah, it gets, it gets super confusing. And I definitely, <laughs> yes. blow up. If, you, if you go back and look at the Red Bull live chats, they call me out pretty fast. <laughs> they do. I mean, how can, I mean, no, I can, you cannot criticize anyone yeah, for no, getting can. that wrong. Dude, you guys watch, can fuck off. Watch, <laughs> he's still a legend. <laughs> watch, watch Emil's winning run from Innsbruck that just happened. I, I mean, cause that was like, that was actually one of the cool things. That was his 12th. Uh, Crankworx slope style win, mm-hmm. which put him one ahead of Seminuk. So now he's the all time winningest Crankworx slope style yeah, rider ever. It's unbelievable. But that was the first time he's ever had to take his second run. Mm-hmm. Wow. And there's been this like weird, you know, people, people, people are going to hate no matter what, but people try to downplay how good Emil is. Like, because, oh, he hasn't had to try, he hasn't had to work for it. Or, I mean, it's just because he's that good, he hasn't had to back up his first run. And what nobody, what nobody knew, all 11 wins, which we found out on the 12th win, because he had to take his second run, mm-hmm. was that he has more in the tank. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he is doing it somewhat. I mean, he's, it's easier than yeah. his hard runs. By no means is it coming easy. He's putting in the work before yeah. he gets oh, there. Yeah. yeah. But to see him, like, grab the bull by the horns, so to speak, like, Emil's a pretty quiet dude. And sometimes when he wins, you, you don't see the biggest reactions. So we kind of all had this thought, like, if he gets put in that position, he's just going to, like, disappear from the cameras, go get in focus mode, do what he needs to do. But he like his, he got, like, a sparkle in his eye. Mm-hmm. And he, like, came alive, and he was stoked for the challenge. And then, like, the fact that he was able to do it was sick. But I was, as this was happening, I knew what was about to, I knew what potentially could happen. I was like, I cannot have the most replayed run of 2023 have me calling out his tricks wrong so he, if you go back and watch it you hear, you hear me as he starts like getting like really tackled and i'm like and this is where he starts throwing in the opposites like, i mean i announced what was happening yeah, but yeah. <laughs> like can't take that detail that's good it's pretty funny yeah. that's good i'm curious um at the beginning like how did you do because i know that the commentating curve can be pretty gnarly like just coming into doing that. Um, I think I did okay, I guess. I think from all the time being on, like, I mean, I had done some stuff before, like random ESPN morning talk shows and mm-hmm. X Todays and that Fuel TV show. So I'd been in those situations before. So I wasn't like, I don't think I was worried about it. So, I mean, I definitely was crap the first couple of times. <laughs> but like you had talking your cool. over people. But I mean, that's like we talked about earlier. That's how you figure it out, right? You blow it and then you go, don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And just asking a lot of questions. And like I said, with the finding mountain biking, like they say it takes 10 years to master something. I think that's bullshit because I'm still figuring something out new every day on a mountain bike. And I've been riding for t- 10 years now. But I'm, I feel like I can progress as a human being with that commentating thing. Like, you know, I'll get done with a broadcast and be like, yeah, that was good. So are you approaching like broadcasting the same way you're approaching any other like thing that you're doing, like mountain biking or BMX or anything? You're like, like, Ooh, I know how to make, like, I think I know how to make it better. How to like, you know, progress, (laughs) Um, progress my commentary, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's just kind of the way that I think I have like a process oriented mind Mm -hmm. where I'm always looking for the path of least resistance and like, using creative thinking, but also like just the things that I've seen in the places I've been and the stuff I've done, I think gives me a different perspective and I can just like 
pull things apart and see them in a different way. And then when I put it back together, I, I feel like I have this plan and a process. Yeah, this is cool. This is the most efficient way to do it. My wife hates it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's right. Sometimes I go a little overboard. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've have like Blake and Elliot's kind of in the background. Uh, do you, I, I am curious about like your position uh, at Specialized, you know, and finding athletes and whatnot. What is it, you know, First, obviously, I know why these these people are so great, but you know, what is it about an athlete that you look for, or what that makes you sort of be like, oh, you know what, this person, I really want to support this person, or um, this person deserves to be elevated or lifted to the next you know level or help their career. Um, I, don't, I can't say it's like I can't say it's like a, um, a light switch or like a specific target. I think a lot of it has to do with just like. I mean, if, if I'm watching it and it gets me stoked, that's usually a good start. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cause I'm, I feel like I'm such a part of, like, I know I have this, this job in the industry where I do sometimes get to align the stars for other people. Um, but it's not like something necessarily I'm like, okay, I'm looking for this person. It's like that thing just happens naturally. And usually it starts with me getting stoked on watching them ride or like getting an opportunity to ride with them in person. And like the, what I get out of that a lot of times motivates me to be like, okay, let's, let's, let's give this person the opportunities. And I think I got, it kind of goes, I, I, I got burned with money a few times, like back to 2008 when I lost all my sponsors and I was having uh, starting a family and all that prior to that, that was when real estate was going insane. Cause that's mm-hmm. when it, that's when it, that's why it crashed. Right. Mm-hmm. So all of the years while I was making good money, I was just doing what people were telling me and throwing all my money in uh, real estate, and then that didn't do anything. So I got burned by money a couple of times, um, and then so I just I don't I lost I lost motivation for money, and I think a lot of times I've I find the the um, the benefits of being able to give other people opportunities like a million times more rewarding than like whatever my, I don't even know. Like, honestly, you could, I could put me on a lie detector and tell me how much my paycheck is. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually know. Like mm-hmm. my wife luckily is very good with that stuff and She's puts up guy. with my lack of care for it. But, um, that's so but yeah, sick. it's just like, that's the thing is like, yeah, being able to like light a kid's face up because I put these stars together and then now Matt Hunter's like, putting shoes on this kid because he made it across the skinny and it's like changing this kid's life and like if we can it, it and it kind of has become part of my job to create lifetime bike riders yeah so if i can do anything along the way to facilitate that for somebody or give them some of the opportunities that i've been so lucky to have like i could i mean the list is very very long on why i'm sitting in this chair sure sure i made some good decisions along the way. And I did some stuff that allowed me to capitalize on those opportunities. So I just kind of like, it's almost like a, I guess it's a giving back, but it's almost like a, like a tip of the hat to the people that gave me those opportunities. Like I feel like almost I owe it to those people. Like you really made something happen. And now I've found myself in a position to do that. So I try to do that when I can as well. That's so cool. You do it on every level. We're here for tune up and you just did a bunch of activations with the brand and I saw you giving some cool kids some bikes and kids some shit. Kids were stoked. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some really fun people walking around on the new P3, and it psyched me out to see just random kids yeah. walking around with the new bike. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, 
give the people what they want, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Give them what they want. When we were, when we were kind of in break, you were talking about the local exposure tour. We should talk about that a little bit. Was that kind of your first, first of all, it was, I thought it was really interesting what you were telling me, maybe like speak on that and sort of like what, how that came to be. Cause it's pretty evident that that plays a role in your mentality in present time too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was kind of like what initiated the local exposure tour was like to give some context was I would get 10 of the best riders in the world, not necessarily connected to the tour sponsors. All of the tour sponsors were my sponsors. So it was specialized bell helmets, boost mobile, mountain dew, Fox, DC, all these different sponsors. And they would just give product and get and help pay for the tour to happen. Um, but the reason why we had the tour was because a very specific time I was riding in section eight in Ohio, which you've probably heard of Anthony Napolitan (laughs) born and raised in section eight. I bumped into him when he was 16 years old and like a question you get as a professional athlete traveling around is how do you get sponsored nonstop? How do you get sponsored? Well, maybe kids don't ask it anymore. They just go on YouTube or they, they send you an email and stuff. (laughs) Um, but it was one of the first times, probably the first time that I noticed that the person asking me that was like absolutely shredding me to pieces at the skate park. (laughs) And he was like 16 and that was Anthony Napolitan. And so I put the pieces together when talking to him, like, he says, how do you get sponsored? And I'm just honest, like, well, I I got sponsored because I did good at contests and I got photos and magazines, but I was also born and raised in Southern California. So it made it a little easier for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then I just, he, he answered pretty, pretty basic, like, oh, well, that's really hard because when the photographers, the magazines are here or the videographers for like the videos are here, they're here because you guys are here. And then when I go to a contest, that's the only people that they're taking pictures of and video of. So I just created the tour to kind of like give the platform to highlight those kids um, and get the, give them the opportunity to learn from other riders and like find their favorite, their favorite riders. I mean, there's been so many people that have been on that tour. We did it for five years. Um, it was pretty sick. And the, the whole goal of it, like there would be winners at each stop, but the ultimate prize was after each stop, we would do like six stops in 10 days at skate parks and the winner of the whole tour, which was voted on by the 10 pros, it's hundred percent up to them would actually get a one year sponsorship from all of my sponsors. Mm-hmm. So DC, a boost mobile cell phone That's for so free sick. for a year. Wow. And one, one year was even a ticket into do tour. Like you didn't have to do the pre-qualifier for do tour. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Do you know who won that? I'm curious. Who won the, who, the ticket to, the golden to ticket do tour. the ticket? Um, oh, I've hit my head a lot of times, yeah. dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you don't remember. I, don't either I can't remember. I can't remember the name, but there was other names that came yeah. through that you'd remember, like Drew Bazanzan. Oh yeah, he he was a 16 year old kid that sick. Nobody had ever heard of him, and he was from some barn in yeah, Eastern Canada. Nowhere, Canada. We did one. We did the, the one in New England, and he was at every stop, and mm. just actually absolutely blew our minds. And that's how he ended up on DC yeah. on Fox. Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Um, so one, uh, by the way, I think that whole event, it's ripe to come back. Maybe you guys should be doing that. Should do a local exposure tour. It comes up. 2024. It's it does. Come, it comes up from time to time, mostly from Anthony. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It does come up. Um, I've kicked around the idea of doing it, but like what, on what bikes? 
Do yeah. I, does, yeah. does, mountain it, bikes does it evolve? so cool. Honestly, I feel like I think it'd be there's really so cool. much going on in mountain biking, especially free ride right now, that it would be... I haven't a done cool a tour, to do but I've done some like what I, I don't know, I just call them bike park jams. I did some stuff mm-hmm. with the 51 guys in the UK when I was working with them. And then I've, I did one for status uh, in Texas, that mm-hmm. bike park in Texas. We yeah, just call them bike did. park jams. Mm-hmm. You just like have, pick out a few sections at the bike park and just have a jam there. And we have music and I'm announcing and yeah. we give out product for all the winners and it's yeah. a good time. So I guess I've done like similar things, yeah. but just one off events. Yeah, yeah. The tours, though, those are, those are pretty good. I know. I mean, I, I think back to, it was like back then, it was like props used to do those like scene reports in their, uh, in their video magazine issues. And then that's when you got to see all these like local no-name riders that you're like, oh my God, like this is the most insane bike rider ever, you know, yeah. and lives in Milwaukee or whatever. You know? Alabama. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shout out Seth Kimbrough. <laughs> yeah. And Cora Martinez. Um, also dudes that are back on mountain bikes. I just love all these sick BMXers from, you know, our era are now just shredding and killing mountain bikes. They grew up. Yeah. We grew up. Our minds opened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bikes actually don't break every time you ride them. Yeah. Uh, also, I heard that you went to the Shire last night, <laughs> and you went through the line, brakeless with pegs. Well, I brought my BMX bike, bro. I know. <laughs> I just, sick. I just think it's so sick that you rode that line fully brakeless, like with pegs. I, had to I, know I, how I, I never rode brakeless on dirt jumps. I was too scared to do that. <laughs> I just wanted that love and feeling back. Yeah. <laughs> like, was said, that the yeah. first time you rode the BMX bike in a little while, or, or do you do you get on it very often? Well, I broke my arm like twelve weeks ago, so it was the, definitely the first time I'd ridden since that. Yeah. Like, man, let's, let's try to be real honest here. Let me yeah. give it a think. The last time I rode my BMX bike was probably like eight months ago mm-hmm. when it's, when it's dark a lot mm-hmm. of times. And I don't I, like, I'm working from home even, and I'm get finished with work and it's like four o'clock and I got 45 minutes a day. I'll just go to go on the BMX bike. And yeah. there's a couple of little DIY things around my house yeah. and play around, but it's probably been eight months, but I was trying to think last night when the last time I rode a proper set of dirt jumps, cause uh-huh. it's pretty proper out there yeah for sure um and dude it's been probably like 10 years mm-hmm. yeah i saw there was like a young kid too killing it dude that little reed kid uh-huh. that kid is blowing Who's up reed that's a kid from here reed reed i ice eisel eisley i can't yeah, remember his last I'm name i'm not sure his mm. last name sick shout out to reed shout out to reed, reed. kills it yeah he, we did we did he's that piece he's like eight years old or he's, he's like 11 11 yeah uh we did that p-series poker run he, uh-huh. he won that and won a bike uh-huh. and then he won the 13 and under pump track yeah. and then the prize for that was a bike so he got so two he, bikes so he gave it to second place what a good kid what a legend and then his brother won the 13 to 18 category and won a bike <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's pretty funny and then took the bike to and the took the bike last night. to the Shire, yeah. Sick. And he was. Oh, did I just say Squire? Sending, Oops, sending squire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun. Shout out to to the Shire boys for inviting me out there for some yeah. near death yeah, experiences cool. and yeah. flashbacks. Yeah, I need to get yeah. out there soon. That's so cool that you just rode that, dude. I didn't just ride it. I was like shitting myself for <laughs> a few times. There's one moment I like over jumped the shark fin before the like middle big jumps, mm-hmm. and I like barely cleared the one encased and I was like, there's no way I'm making the other one. I cannot go off. And I just like veered left and there was like a stump in the ground, like this big, maybe this tall. 
I just front tired into it and jumped over the handlebars and flew like 20 feet into a berry bush. Ah, look at those arms. <laughs> My back looks like that too. I just aimed for the greenest, softest thing I could uh, find, but it was a berry bush. It was a blackberry you know, bush. Everything oh, here that's green is a berry bush. It was hilarious. Yeah. It was hilarious though. And that was my was that the that was my second attempt through. And after that it, it was fine. Like yeah. I just had a laugh about it and yeah. How many how many laps anymore. did you get through? Did you ride it? Did you ride I think it for I did a few like hours? 10 or 12 laps probably? Yeah. Damn, you yeah. for a while. I so. I went there so you know, I, I I sadly don't ride my, I haven't ridden my BMX bike in probably over a year or more. No shame. There's no shame. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I rode it I'm just full mountain, the other bike, day, actually. full mountain bikes these days. But, um, and I have a dirt jumper. I bought the 26 inch to get back into hitting proper dirt jumps. Um, but the last time I had a long hiatus, went to the Shire. They used to do this jam there. There's like a big, you know, dirt jump gym. A ton of people show up there. They have like live bands and stuff. It was a really fun time. They have a pizza oven. At the they trails. have a pizza oven there. Yeah. That's sick. Super cool. I actually would love to have, um, some of those guys on here too, because the, I'm, I sold my camper to the owner of, of the oh, property. It's gone. No, not that camper, a, a oh, okay, different camper. Different camper. So I, have a, I, have like, I kind of still campers. want that thing. Um, but, <laughs> staring at it out here like but uh you, you he, was, for a he was the <laughs> dad of one of the kids and he's like oh yeah i i still own that property and um i, I just uh, you know i i took out a huge insurance multi-million dollar insurance policy and it's just like just just don't leave just don't leave trash do whatever you want there just keep it clean it's so sick and so it's it's really cool to see like this person that's just like sees and he was saying i, I just like seeing the kids go and do something, build something, be creative and like put in hard work and then reap the rewards of it. Yeah. That dude gets it. Yeah. High five to that dude. uh For sure. And so that spot I think is like pretty well protected and like it won't go anywhere. Um, you know, it's private, so you can't just show up there, but, um, yeah. Anyways, hadn't ridden that spot in a long time. Got stoked because that place, the, you you it's impossible not to get just amped up people start hitting stuff and doing tricks and and then it just ratchets up higher and higher and higher and then so during the jam imagine a hundred people there it's amplified like tenfold a thousandfold and so i I brought my bmx bike i was like oh man i'm not gonna ride it and then i started watching all this shit go down i'm like fucking i'm riding it i drop in Totally do the same thing, you know, like fly off a jump weird, feel squirrely. You were there last night too? No, 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 no. Okay, this, this is, is a little different. while ago. I like, Dang, um, really and then I got through. Home. And then I got That's through. That's still true, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I had the fire in my, like, I was like, I'm do, I'm riding BMX bikes again. I'm not. <laughs> I felt like a kid again. Yeah. It feels so good. It That's feels so, so cool, good guys. to go back. Amanda Bryan, shout out to Amanda Bryan. She left town <clears> to go to North Carolina <clears> to go work for Industry 9. And she sold me the BMX bike she had. That's right. So I have one now too. You're right now. Should but we I haven't end ridden this a podcast BMX right now and just go have <laughs> just a session at the skate park? Set <laughs> and no, I haven't I'm ridden too a BMX bike in <laughs> yeah. longer than both of you. Really? So I should probably ride that. Yeah. You should. Yeah. yeah. River jumps. I know you're going to be at Whistler. I'll be there. I'm not the going to go on the BMX bike though. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it on something else. Nice. Yeah. yeah that was that was the thing. Is like we had just wrapped up the the p-series demo booth and i'm like the 26 inch i'm like well, i'm kind of old i got the 24 inch i was like no i'm i'm bringing the bmx bike Hell i don't yeah. i gotta know how it feels i can't sh- i can't show up to a bmx spot and not ride a bmx this bike. is a fun background thing to find out about you that like you're a i gotta know how it feels kind of guy you like see something you're like i gotta know 
and you just do it. Well, that's yeah. like a driving factor oh, for you. That's funny yeah. that that actually came back up. It brings me back to something that I was trying to remember to say before. But like that's what that's like where that motivation comes from to know how it feels is that the light at the end of the tunnel. Like I'm gonna be able, I'm gonna have to start passing those moments up. Mm-hmm. So but right now you don't have to. Right now I feel yeah, like I don't I, have to. I resonate mm-hmm. with that. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Put me in, coach. Yeah, yeah. That's sick. So the ne- next thing on my list too on the things I got to know how it feels, and this is me saying it, so now I have to do it. Uh oh. But I was chatting with Warner, and apparently Warner is like the guy that does all the invites for that crazy downhill race. And the only reason I couldn't go do it. Hardline? Yeah. The only reason I couldn't go do it was because I was here. Mm-hmm. But next year, I'm going to work on some scheduling and hopefully well, get to go do it. It was a good year to miss, I guess. Yeah. They shut it all down. Yeah. The they rain and all that stuff. Yeah. Next year. <clears throat> yeah. Sick. Yeah. That I would tap out of. I don't, I don't need to know how that You know what? <laughs> I'm really psyched to see that, all the ladies there this time. Oh, yeah. It's um, super cool. But it was also really cool to see, like, just Hannah B is... As, was over there and not riding, so she was just doing a lot of BTS stuff. Cool. And it was cool to see some of the girls hitting stuff for the first time via Hannah's Instagram, um, just because it really like brought some of the stuff into perspective. Like as they were working through some of the bigger stuff and even some of the tech pieces, like watching those dudes hit it in their runs as it's being broadcast to the world is like a very different thing mm. than watching people like work through it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like it's actually pretty sick to see some of the girls working through it. It's uh, so and then, like, sick. It's just like, yeah, because none of us are there in person. Yeah, there's so much more to the story than it's World Cup. Wild. Actually, that was one of my, I had to know how it feels things, and I wanted to change my perspective and not ever see a gnarly trail again. So last year I raced nice. Valdezol, <laughs> <That's laughs> which sick. was like one of the gnarliest tracks ever. Right. Uh, I was like, if I'm only ever going to do one World Cup in my life, it's got to be the gnarly one, but uh-huh. I didn't realize it was going to be the gnarliest year that the gnarly one has ever been. Yeah. <laughs> God. But now there's no more gnarly trails, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's cool the way that works. Yeah. So tell me uh, a little bit about the like riding scene in Santa Cruz. It's sick. Yeah, Santa Cruz is the best. I've been only I've only gotten to ride there one time, it's and it was pretty good. Camp Campus, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, yep. the Campus it's one zone. of the zones. Um, and I, I went there when I worked, I worked, I used to work for Diamondback. Oh, is that not public? I don't know. I was just kidding. Unsanctioned. We could <laughs> not illegal. Out. We could beep it out. There's a cool zone. <clears throat> and um, it's fun. There's this little place called the San Francisco Bay area. They already know where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just um, go across the golden gate. They love it when you ride there. But it was, it was sick because there's just so much like rogue scratched in trails all over the place. You just like, you can find them and then they're just like sick little valleys, snaky valleys that you're just like slashing through. It's yeah. pretty fun. I mean, I've been riding out specifically at campus. I've been riding out there for like 10 years and I still find new things all yeah. the time. Like the other day I, I got sketchy and blew off a trail and was like on the ground, like 10 feet from uh-huh. the trail. And as I'm getting up and brushing myself off, I'm like. There's another trail. I've never seen that before. <laughs> like, I went sick. down it and it was sick. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. So are you mostly ride, like doing a lot of riding around there? Are you doing pedal biking or shuttling or like what, what kind of mountain biking are you into these days? I try All to, it. I do a lot of pedaling. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes like Wednesday night shuttles with the boys that work at the experience center there. All mm-hmm. the homies, they'll, they close early on Wednesdays. So we'll go shuttling. And when I had a broken arm, it was, I was like full-time shuttle guy. Yeah, yeah. That's sick. Still yeah. in the mix. Yeah. Um, I'd say mostly I'm doing like trail rides, big like pedal rides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like all that it keeps me together. Like my beyond the mental side of things, but like just physically, Yeah. like my body, my left knee, I've had nine surgeries on my left knee mm-hmm. and my left knee and my left hip are like 
there's no cartilage left in the joints anywhere. So I got to ride this wave. The only thing lubricating the joints is the arthritis. Mm -hmm. So if I ride like, if I ride like 18 hours a week, it starts to hurt. Like, mm -hmm. and what happens is the arthritis that's lubricating the joint wears completely out. And then it's just bone on bone and it just gets sore and I can't yeah, well. keep going. But if I like hang around this zone of like 10 to 12 or 14, if it's a big week, I feel amazing. Yeah. I feel so good. But then if it drops down, like it, I've kind of figured out where if I can do one, like five to six hour gnarly hard ride a week, that'll like keep me going. But if like, you know, sometimes like I haven't ridden for a week now and I'm starting to like get pent up, like, oh shit, is it going to start hurting soon? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, I, I pedal quite a bit, like the fitness side of it and just keeping my body going it's super motivating because if i didn't do like big pedal rides i don't think i'd be able to like go do shuttles and go do dark fest and go do whip off and right. things like that right right, right. Yeah. yeah what's your cross training situation do you work out much i don't Not i live thing. i live in santa cruz two blocks from the beach and i've never surfed there <laughs> wow what if i got time i'm on my bike yeah, yeah. you don't even surf Nope. They'd probably kick you out anyway. There's also a little bit of that localism, yeah. and I'm a terrible surfer, and I'm scared of sharks. I have a lot of reasons. I'm a huge. Okay. I have. My dad showed me Jaws at a too young. Dude, of me age. too. <laughs> too young of Dude, I put this together the other day. I, I remember as a kid, like being at races and being in like the the Motel Six pools and having like these mini panic attacks uh -huh. as I'm getting out, thinking a shark's gonna get uh -huh. me. Oh my god! It doesn't make any sense. But Elliot's it's in the background yeah. saying, "Yeah." It's because so. my babysitter when I was two. Uh -huh. showed me jaws and i had my i didn't even know this but my mom told me i had like gnarly nightmares for like six months oh, yeah man. and then i i didn't even know but that's why i had a complex about sharks so of course i don't surf yeah and i've never been okay. bitten by a tree i've hit trees but i've never been bitten by one so. <laughs> usually you see them coming no, you're already I, here first mountain biking is safer than surfing <laughs> i uh i i've started to get into surfing after moving to washington and surfing in the pacific northwest is very different than california i've surfed in huntington beach and not in santa cruz but it's and i'm not good at all i've been maybe 15 20 times in my life i can stand up on a handful of waves in a in a session and they're small waves i can't ride the big stuff but um the surfing here, I can only justify being getting into it because there really aren't many big, scary sharks in our waters. But yeah, Santa Cruz, I know, is known for just being gnarly. It's called the Red Triangle. There's sharks out. Apparently, if you're like flying around on like a small little Cessna plane and you have polarized lenses that take out the reflection, there's you see 18 foot great whites oh all over the God. place. Yeah. Yeah. Migration no path. Shout outs to the migration path. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I did, you touched on it a little bit and, you know, I think it's worth ch talking about if you want to is CTE and you mentioned you've hit your head multiple times. I'm just curious, you know, like how, what is the, you know, for other riders out there, you know, what is that like dealing with that? You know, is it something that you, uh, how can, what things you can recommend to avoid obviously hitting your head, but you know maybe just touch on that topic a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think in my time, any of us dealt with it. Like mm -hmm. you would straight up lie. Like, do you have double vision? No. Mm -hmm. Do you have memory loss? That. No. Yeah. How do you feel? Fine. And just yeah. go ride. Like right. the, one of the, one of the gnarliest ones is so crazy. And this was like something that was glorified at the time. Um, it was a detour, And in the, in the, um, like, the introduction runs where they would just say your name, you do one run, whatever. Gutler 
did a front flip, over-rotated, went straight into the next lip and got KO'd. He was out for like three minutes. Holy shit. Right before the contest started. They put him on a stretcher while he's still asleep. Mm-hmm. Take him to the ambulance. We're like, shit, that sucks. He's not coming back. Apparently, he like broke out of the ambulance and like his team managers like kind of set a pick for him. And he just comes out of nowhere up on the start on the roll in. And we're like, like, yo, he just got like, we're thinking this, like, yo, he just got yeah. knocked out. And he rolls in, rides the whole contest, wins. And then watches oh it the next God. day on TV and has no memory of it. Wow. But it was like, <laughs> oh it was like glorified, like the comeback kid. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So it was a different time. We weren't dealing with it. We were lying about it. There was like, I remember there's so many times, like there's one gravity. Remember they did gravity games at FDR? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Which was pretty sick. Yeah. Um, right before park finals, I crashed and like busted my eye open and hit my head. So I'm sitting there, they give me some stitches, and I'm like, I just have one blurry eye, but I wear contacts, and I'm thinking, like, oh, my contact fell out, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I go into my, I had a bus that I traveled to all of the events in, because that was the first time, like, there was a series, and you could, like, gain points, and there was year-end payout, and There were reasons to keep competing. I wasn't going to show up to the contest without my bike, so I bought a big bus to drive to all the events. Uh Um, But anyways, I go in the bathroom to put my, like, put my, replace my contact, and it's still in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like kind of shaking it off and go and ride the contest. Like wow. it's just a different way, different thing. I think now there's enough, well, maybe it's never enough, but I think there's enough knowledge out there and there's enough people looking out for the athlete um, where it's much more safe. Obviously yeah. just helmet technology is also a lot better these days. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, I don't know about what you did back in the day, but we would always run like the skate style yeah, helmets. That Bucky Lassic clear white. Protec yeah. helmet, which is we really minimal, sure. minimal padding or anything. Honestly, it's actually nothing. Yeah, like you, like if you have if you have dreadlocks, you're more safe than wearing one wow. of those helmets. Like legit, I did have dreadlocks because of Joe Rich so and Taj Mahal. So you're good. <laughs> um, oh, speaking of, I forgot to say this. You know, I have a Taj tattoo or tattoo because of Taj. Really, it says right here: live Taj lightly, across live chest. lightly, and enjoy life. <laughs> Nice. And that was something that he used to sign off on his column and ride BMX. Oh, nice. And I saw it probably when I was like 13 and it always stuck with yeah, me. That's awesome. I told him at one time, I think it weirded him out a little bit. Sorry, Taj. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool though. Um, but yeah, but those yeah. helmets were nothing. But yeah, the helmets, they were, they were nothing. And through, so when I learned about the difference, I, I got, I got knocked out four times in four months, consecutive months in a row. And I really started to like feel stupid like mm-hmm. things just weren't making sense and there was a time also like i got knocked out in my hometown like filming something and the people that were filming from out of town and i like couldn't get them back to my house in my own town like mm-hmm. for like an hour mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like I, I if i get to the skate park i can get home i can i can picture that like yeah mm-hmm. but at the time i was riding for bell and this is how this is how ignorant we were all we all were back then is yeah. because it wasn't as comfortable and ultimately it wasn't the same it's not that it wasn't as comfortable mm-hmm. but wearing the the um this the uh, cpsc or the certified helmet which is the ones with the eps yeah. foam uh when that happened i reached out to my team manager at bell and i was like hey man like because i was literally pulling the eps foam the stuff that actually protects you and buying protect pad kits and putting it in my bell helmet because yeah. i thought it was more comfortable yeah and <laughs> like that's that's why I was getting knocked out. Right. Um, right. But they, I contacted them about that and they brought me in 
and they taught me how to like, they customize, you know, the things that athletes get, they customize the head form and it was more comfortable. And after that, I, I kind of stopped getting knocked out yeah. on, on BMX anyways. Yeah. Um, but then getting to work there, like maybe five or six years later and really getting to understand the difference. It's huge. Like we did this video. I don't know if, are you familiar with ARF, the athlete recovery fund? Yes. It was, uh-huh came up when Stephen Murray yeah. had his injury. Yeah. Shout out to my brother. He's the one that started that and ran that. It was pretty cool, oh, very cool. to do that. Um, and give, you know, give that little extra support. What well, it was, it's a nonprofit basically to bridge the gap for what health insurance doesn't yeah. and to help people with like life changing injuries and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but I forgot where I was going. I went back to We're talking about Bell and certifications and oh, yeah. ARF. Yeah. So we did an ARF video and it's, certified versus non-certified and it's still on youtube mm-hmm. and if you have i think on, i've actually seen this video yeah actually if, if you have any interest in it it's a it's very black and white the difference of a certified helmet mm-hmm. and a not so we go into the chad curly it's hucker and brandon dosh mm-hmm. i think and maybe one other rider i couldn't remember dosh michigan boy yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um we brought them in and we showed them like the test drop like okay this is what happens to your head when you crash in this non-certified helmet and we couldn't even drop it from the test height which i think was three meters so we had to do it from half that height so one and a half meters and the amount of g-forces from that test drop is was like 800 g's instant death like that's that's what that equates to granted there's no forward momentum yeah it's it's a very real way you could crash yeah for sure and that's how those injuries happen and then when they dropped this the certified helmet from the full test height. So twice as much, it was like 40. And like the results of that would be like, you have a headache. You probably shouldn't ride the rest of the day, but it's not a full concussion. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you can see it like, Oh, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So learning a lot about that post career was, was important, but Mm -hmm. yeah, man, I, I, while I was working there, you know, I kind of became a little bit of a test study. Uh Um, cause I, I've, I could count, that I have been knocked out 34 times. Yeah. Whoa. Jeez, wow. Like I can count 34 times I was sleeping and it started when I was young. Like when I was two was my first knockout. I like the first and only time I ever rode a bike with training wheels, I tried to make this sharp turn and I didn't make it to the curb cut. And I just went into the curb over the bars into a fire hydrant. I still have, At two I still years have, a, old? Still have the bump on my head. Oh my God. Oh my yeah. God. And yeah. then like, you know, as a young kid, helmets aren't like a thing that's enforced to get some more and then a, mm-hmm. like a career in uncertified helmets. And then there's a couple moto ones. Yeah. Spend a couple mountain bike ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, I think when talking about CTE, like, do I feel like I am affected by it? I, it's hard to know, right? Like, cause I only know this mind and this body. I think everybody has thoughts of doubt mm-hmm. or thoughts of like just not feeling good or mm-hmm. depression it might be or you know anxiety about something going on in your life and i think that you know ct is definitely a real thing there's science there yeah and the number one side effect of that is not being able to deal with those things that happens right. in everybody's life right right but if you get on a damn mountain bike <laughs> yeah so and that's, you, that's and you keep progressing as a human yeah. i feel like you can just be whatever you want to be yeah and this was that was kind of like in maybe a good we'll, helmet in a good helmet a please helmet. please <laughs> maybe more of what i was i was kind of thinking too is like you're you know um i i wonder some of the people who uh had struggled in, you know we we know who we're thinking of but like shout out day mira yeah Dave i love mira. you yeah 
Um, like, you know, his, you know, coming out of a professional, being a professional athlete and maybe not having that right mentality or, or you're not going in, you know, you don't know what your path is supposed to be amplifies those the struggles. Right. And I think you, you, you know, uniquely you've, you've been driving in multiple directions for your entire career. You went from a professional mountain bike or professional BMX rider to working in the industry to, you know, being a, a professional mountain biker and rider. And, and I think you're just, you know, you have a lot of goals and you're very goal driven and, and, and whatnot. And I'm not saying Dave wasn't or anything, but, Oh, you know, oh, he was, yeah. you know, Most he was like, try, try it, triathlete. And he was like, I saw he was like rally driver. Yeah. Rally racing, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I just think that like sometimes, uh, yeah, the mental health aspect of it is, is like keeping yourself motivated in the sense of like doing, doing something that is going to stoke you out and keep you, keep your mind in a good space. And, um, also just mental health, man, go see yeah. a therapist. Like, yeah, it's important we need part. to destigmatize that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so, but talk to your friends that too, for sure. Yeah. Check in on your friends. Yeah. Everyone. Dave's certainly not the only one that I've lost to, I think that situation, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's been, there's been a few over the time and it, it never makes, it never makes sense. And you always have that, like, well, I should have, sh- I should have called or whatever. I should have done this. Like I had to, I freaked out recently. Like my, um, my old roommate in, in Greenville, he actually took his life a couple of years ago and I, I found out, you know, we hadn't connected in a couple of years mm-hmm. and I was getting, you know, like, you know how they target your phones nowadays, like the scam calls, they, uh, it's your, yeah. your, uh, zip or your area code or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's, I get all these two, five, two, cause I still have a North Carolina, Carolina number. And when I heard I had been ignoring two, five, two numbers for like years and I find this out and I'm like, Holy shit. Was that my, it was like, was he reaching out? Was he like, yeah, I don't know. And I like panicked and I like went on my call log and I paid like a hundred dollars to like search where all these yeah. numbers came from. It was all like a call center in Louisiana. Yeah. So it was all bullshit. Yeah. But I don't know when that happened. I was like, okay, just talk to your friends. Yeah, like just for sure. Just talk to your friends if you're not feeling good. You yeah. Know? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, yeah. and I think too, like it's really fascinating. I think some people that are, you know, in the same boat or have been in the same boat with the head injuries and whatnot, we know, like we have a lot of friends in our group who have, who've had, you know, pretty bad head injuries. I had a, 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 a athlete, Morris Vassar. He's, had like three bad concussions the last year and it's messed with his vision and stuff. And, um, you know, you just gotta say, Hey man, just take it slow, you know, and just like push them to slow down and not overdo things too fast. You know? Yeah. It's tough. I mean, that was our mentality was glad I only hit my head. I can still ride. Yeah. Right. How crazy is is like the worst injury you could have, you know? So I would much rather, knock on wood, break, like, I don't want to break any bones, but I would much rather break a bone than have a serious head injury for sure. At this point, I think I would have to say the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I don't want to end on a bad note. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I am curious though, you were, you've been talking about, you you mentioned that you were talking about at working on a video part. Um, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about the motivator behind that? Doug's, been working with you to kind of put that together. Um, but other cool things that are kind of coming down the pipeline or things that you're excited about or, uh, um, yeah, just like, I mean, I think the, the, what spawned the video part was like, I think always watching like skate video parts where it was like, 
multiple songs and you hear these stories of like the thrasher video of the or skater of the year award going to this dude that the only thing he did that year was that video part or the only thing he did for three years was that one video part and just made all those things happen i really wanted to i don't know i really wanted to do it because i wanted to do it like i had done video parts before and mm-hmm. so much of it was just like gaining acceptance or insecurities telling me i had to do a certain thing or like it was a contest and that's what you're there to do mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. Um, with video parts, it was always like secondary. I always felt like the only video parts I ever did was like, because I was, I was doing them to try to get somewhere, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to do one to do one, especially with this like kind of different perspective and riding different bikes. And I just wanted to do something that I didn't see out there. And that was like kind of an edit that w- it's like a BMXer type edit that is doing stuff that could only be done on mountain bikes. Mm-hmm. That's like kind of my goal for mm-hmm. this one. Like there's a lot of stunts and some like urban free ride is alive for sure. Yeah. In, in this one. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, just like, just trying to like bring that BMX mindset instead of being like, Oh, well if this thing was a little smoother or if it was this or that, I could mm-hmm. totally just like, no, I'm on this bike. I can just do whatever I want. There's a yeah. lot less prep on a mountain bike too. Yeah. Which is sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all kind of culminating, you know, just trying to this, you know, good times crew. It's just kind of the same, same thing as we've been talking about. It just kind of came, came about and maybe try to push it a little more. And if we can get noticed with this, this video part, maybe it'll turn into something and, I can have something to leave to my family maybe one day. I don't know. Just yeah. try to make something of myself or just go along for the ride and see where it goes, I guess. Yeah. Sick. yeah. See how it feels. Nice. Nice. Tell us about Good Times Crew really quick. Good Times Crew. Okay. The inception of Good Times Crew was this group of us that r- worked at Santa Cruz Bicycles. And like, there was a few of us that had BMX, you know, in our past, a few of us that had skateboards in our past and were like working at this mountain bike company and getting further and further away from those things. So on Wednesday nights, we would drive over the hill and go to a big Lake Cunningham skate park, which is this massive concrete skate. It has a 40 foot full pipe. It is wow. so fun to it's ride. like Louisville kind of. Yeah, it's, it's like that size. Yeah. So we started doing that and we just, we started this little like company chat and it was the Good Times crew chat. And then... We were like, let's bring some, let's do an event like as a fundraiser. It's actually funny. It was a little, it was a little side, like a little hustle, side hustle where at the time, I I don't know if they still do this or not, probably do, but Santa Cruz would match whatever you would donate for trail advocacy as an employee. So I was like, well, is there like a limit? And they're like, no. I was like, okay, sick. So I put on an event where we like charged (laughs) admission. We sold t-shirts. Like we had all, I called like all of my friends in the industry, like send me, like send me part, like Troy Lee sent stuff, uh-huh. like race face sent stuff. And at the time I had just been working at Bell Easton. So I had like Easton wheels and had, like all kinds of stuff. And we just did this huge event and raised like four grand. So then Santa Cruz had to donate like eight grand. <laughs> That's so sick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then, and this then we just, fun background. it just, so we made, we made event t-shirts for that and like number plates. And it was pretty, it was, we had a good time doing it. And then we just, kept doing stuff and just been chipping away at it a little bit here and there, but it's, you know, kind of all coming to the end of this video project. I think it'll be fun to get it out. Sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. I, I'm excited to see that. I still have your good times crew stickers on the fork of the bike. Nice. You gave me nice. That bike, that bike rode dark fest. I know it's a lucky bike. <laughs> My only downhill bike that I've ever owned came from Alan cook. It's a good one. Dark fest. See, and I mean, did you win whip off on it? Not on that one, though. Damn it. Sorry. <laughs> Still a good luck bike. I mean that 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 right there says a lot about your character. Yeah, you know? for sure. You just 
like you you just mentioned that you're like you heard that your company was the company that you were working for was matching you know money that you raised for whatever you know organization that you were trying to raise money for and you were like there's no cap well, so you create an yeah. entire situation <laughs> to raise a bunch of money for it that's so and, sick and just like put it to the max yeah. there was know? a ca- there was a cap after that yeah. <laughs> there's always there's <laughs> always you one. created a cap but you made a bunch of money happen for them but but i mean it's the, just it, always it's a very unique mindset. it's a very unique mentality to be like oh the we're let's let's do this this way then and get get as much as we yeah. can for whatever as many people as we can you know and then you know giving blake your your downhill your personal downhill bike so she had a downhill bike you know pretty that's, wild yeah, pretty, I mean, pretty I, think, nice. I think that goes back to like what we were talking about earlier. Like, if I if I'm in a position to be able to give somebody the opportunities that I had, yeah, at, like why would I not? You right. know, yeah. Right. And then I think maybe we're now. I mean, you know, we're having these conversations. You figure things out, right? And I mm-hmm. think that comes from my parents for sure. Like, yeah. my hmm. parents were very selfless people. Like growing up, mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot of money. It was kind of like my dad would cut down trees on our property and like chop wood to raise money for our BMX racing, mm-hmm. and it would be like do you guys want a big Christmas or do you want to go to five nationals this year? And of yeah. course we're always like, let's go to the nationals. Yeah, we're yeah. racing BMX. So cool. yeah. And then my mom, like she was, you know, as a young person, she had to take care of her younger siblings. Um, so then she became that, obviously that nurturer, that caretaker. She's been caretaker her entire life. My dad's motocross career, my, mm-hmm. my career, like she thought she was saving us by not giving us motorcycles, but look what bikes turned into. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's just always been there for other people. She'll go out of her way no matter what. And I think my, my dad's always the same way. So, you know, you, you, one way or another, you end up being your parents at yeah, some point. And sure. I, I think that's one of the, one of the things that I got from them. Yeah. yeah. We're all grateful that you, that you took that on. Yeah. For <laughs> so sure. I'm, I'm sitting here at this table because of a lot of, because of these two dudes. Oh, so that's pretty sick. You guys have done a lot <laughs> for me. So, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. that's, that is kind of like my goal with, with having a brand too. I, I also got a lot of support growing up with Scott town. I don't know if you knew him, oh, yeah. if you ever met him. Yeah. He was, he was the, my like step into getting my first sponsorship with diamondback. I was on the flow team with them and it was like, you know, he used to hook me up with when he was at Soltech. He he was the I had the magic shoe size, the sample size, which nice. is nine and a half. Forty yeah. twos, baby. <laughs> and, I, and I would just he'd just let me raid his garage, and he just he'd be like, "Yeah, take as many, take whatever you want." You know, he's always hooking it up. And uh, that is the sickest stuff, though, right? And that sticks yeah. with you. And those are like the moments that I try to recreate for people that yeah. maybe don't haven't even found bikes yet. Mm-hmm. And if I can if I can introduce them to bikes through something like that, then yeah. they're hooked. Yeah. Well, Pretty soil sick. searching and you know, this, this little tour you're doing with the P series bikes and stuff like that. That's great. I mean, that's exactly, that's going to hopefully get kids stoked. And, you know, I mean, obviously those two kids or three kids, you know, in town this weekend, they're taking more, more than that. Yeah. There was a few more, but what's cool is that it's not just an idea and it's not just a self-fulfilling thing because mm-hmm. I'm getting so much out of it. Mm-hmm. The U S sales manager was in fanatic during the tune up and somebody came in, Hey, do you guys have the new P2? Mm-hmm. We just, we just rode one. Like, so it actually works. Yeah. 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 Like, it's, it's authentic. That's People what I appreciate. Authenticity. Yeah. I'd like to see some more authenticity out yeah. there to be honest. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm psyched to see that you're doing that. And that special is still really psyched and supporting you to keep doing that because that's why. We all do this. Last ride around company at the top, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, sick. for sure. Went from corporate to the last one in like three years. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, that's awesome. Well, Alan, uh, we won't take up too much more of your time. It was awesome having you on. I really appreciate you coming on. This was a super interesting and awesome uh, episode. So Yeah, thanks, dude. It's been quite the journey. Yeah. Um, like Hell yeah. Cool conversations to have with people that like to hear it. Well, so. I'm glad to be your first podcast, yeah. and I doubt it's the last. <laughs> so sorry. And honestly, you, you have so much storytelling and so much that you're like, I would, I would encourage you to maybe, maybe specialized or good times crew needs a, a podcast. I feel like there's battery charging involved in that and like technology and it's <laughs> my jam. We could figure it out. I know Doug, a guy Doug back has, here. Yeah, Doug has been, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of the initial setup work, but then Doug's been honing it in. So he, he can help you out for sure. Well, Doug's still a 14 hour drive away from me. So <laughs> true. It's not that true. far. All right, cool. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, We'll catch you guys next time. And, uh, yeah, peace.